This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. going on folks my take radio episode 98 for thursday june 30th 2011 the intro music you just heard was street fighter 2's frets of fury and the artist was vertex guy you can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org the letter o the letter c remix.org the caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number is 347-324-3541. All right. Housekeeping out of the way first. First off, uh, this is very important. Next week, My Take Radio will not be broadcasting on Thursday. They will be, well, I've decided and there's a couple of circumstances that are allowing me to do so, I will be doing the show Wednesday. So next week, My Take Radio will be live Wednesday. Same time, 11 p.m., but on Wednesday. A um, couple of reasons are just some, I got some stuff going on Thursday. It's the Mrs. Birthday, which I've mentioned before. So, you know, I don't want to stop the momentum moving on to episode 100. So episode 99 will be Wednesday, July 6th at 11 p.m. Eastern time. So just put that in your calendars or however you decide to keep up with the show and know that it's going to happen Wednesday night. All right. A couple of things also with regards to the forums this week, the Simple Machines Forum, which is the forum that our for, which is the software our forums are loaded on, uh went up to 2.0 and we went and did the upgrade for the site as well to 2.0, which has been a very smooth transition. There's still a couple of things that are out of whack. Um, one thing in particular is just the layout of the forum. If by any means you guys have any suggestions or would like any additions to the forum, please let me know either via the subject in the forum that I'll be setting up this weekend or via email. Either way, um, what's going to happen is there's going to be some changes, maybe some changes to the color, some changes to the formatting. I did add um, a field for you guys to put your gamer tags in your forum profile, so that is live. You guys can do that. Hopefully this weekend we'll be testing out taking site posts and actually loading them into the forum, so I'm hoping that actually gets to work this week. Hopefully we'll see how that pans out. There's still a little bit, um, there's still a little bit of a... Uh, of an issue with that just because of the plugins with WordPress, but I'm hoping that we can get that resolved and get it taken care of. If anything changes, just keep an eye on our Facebook fan page to see any news regarding changes to the forums. While I'm on the subject of the fan page, we are almost at 1,200 fans. I believe we are now at 1,162. 
want to take the opportunity, as always, to welcome all the new fans that are joining the site and reminding them to make sure to look for the show on the you know on Twitter at My Take Radio, also to join the forums and follow all the information for the show from the staff accounts as well. Slick is on Twitter. He's at MTR Slick. Uh, Andrea is also on Twitter. She, I believe, is Andrea underscore MTR. You can keep up with all three of us on there, myself included, at My Take Radio, and have another medium to interact with us. Most of the time, I'm lurking in our forums, and even though I'm not actively posting stuff like I should be, I am lurking around in there, so don't think that I'm not keeping an eye on you guys. Um, the other thing I wanted to discuss is writers. As you know, we have a core group of writers right now and content partners and our partners also at Unveil, but we'd like to expand. I'd actually like to have uh, some more writers on board. Um, if, if you're a good writer that shares the same method, the, the same ideologies that we do and want to gain some experience and get your work out there, hit me up, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com with a writing sample. Tell me a little bit about yourself if I don't know you already, and maybe we can bring you on board. I think that we're going to need some writers with some strengths, primarily in comics, technology, even a little bit of wrestling and some MMA as well. I think that the movies and TV are pretty much covered by Slick and Andrea. Comics is usually something that Bronx is involved in as well, but we're going to need a little help on that. And Josh works with us on the tech side as well. But again, a couple of extra hands never hurt. So if you are interested in writing for MTR, drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com, and we can handle that off air. And if we like your writing, we will gladly add you to the family. So we are looking for new writers. Also, we received an on-live console from the Gadget event. It's a, um, it's a micro console that allows you to play a whole bunch of games from the online service which is similar to Steam and even Gamefly with regards to renting games. They got a couple of PC games on there, a lot of solid titles. The service is growing um, every day, and they're making lots of improvements to it, including iPad integration, which looked very promising, which we saw at the Gadget event. And as such, I have already done an unboxing for the console and will be testing it out this week. But I am looking to do a contest to give the console away to one of you guys. Now, it's all a matter of will I be doing it through the forums for our forum members or will I be doing it through Facebook or through Twitter? Still trying to iron out those particulars, but the on-live console is going to be one of the items that we will be giving away in the coming weeks. In addition to that, we're going to be doing some more content for My Take Radio TV. Um, been in contact with a lot of vendors with regards to hardware, software, the works and we're going to start doing more stuff review wise with some of those items we're also going to if we have the opportunity to keep those items depending on what they are we will be giving them out in contests and giveaways to the listeners so be on the lookout for that as well last but not least merchandise i actually spoke to one of our artists yesterday evening with some really great ideas which are starting to come together so merchandise will be available very, very, very soon. And lastly, of course, our, our Get Glue presence. If you are using the Get Glue service, take a second, 
head over to our fan page or even from mytakeradio.com and check in with Get Glue. Just another uh, another avenue that MTR is reaching out to its listener base. Get Glue is a great service. All of our staff members use it. Uh, we have a lot of fun with it, and we're also going to be launching stickers, which you'll be awarded through the Get Glue service. In addition to that, after you reach certain Get Glue sticker milestones, you'll actually be able to get hard copies of the stickers you've won. If that's the case, you'll be getting some MTR Get Glue stickers. Uh, we're looking at things like a Yeah Man sticker, possibly a Black Rage sticker. It depends on what they allow us to do and what kind of little creative things we toss out there for you guys. Last but not least, to wrap up the housekeeping, um, we got new articles this week. Slick reviewed Transformers, Dark of the Moon. I recommend you read it. I Not even to because Slick is a member of the staff. It has to be one of the finest reviews I've read from him. Uh, he put a lot of work and energy into it. If you're on the fence about seeing Transformers, do yourself a favor, read his review, not only because he took uh, so much time in writing it and gave such a great detailed review, but also because Slick is a guy that really doesn't like the Michael Bay Transformer movies, and he gives such a such a great opinion on it that I'm sure many of you will agree with his review, and I recommend you guys check it out. I also put up a review for Green Lantern, which I got to see this past weekend, and I will be reviewing transformers as well to go along with slicks review so be on the lookout for that this week i also put up a couple of movie trailers up there and there'll be a couple of new ones coming this week be on the lookout for that and last but not least the mtr app lots of exclusive content on there a dollar 99 we're adding the two new segments which are going to be app exclusive mtr behind the mic and mtr beyond the mic for those of you that did not read the article I posted on the site, MTR Behind the Mic is going to focus on um, colleagues that are involved in podcasting and radio, whether it's from the tech side, the gaming side, mixed martial arts, comics, the works, just different interviews with a diverse group of personalities that are going to give just insight into those respective people's brands and shows and just give you guys another another avenue to meet new new shows and new hosts you know meet new hosts and learn a little bit more about what they have to offer just in case you were uh looking for an alternative to us which i doubt you are but hey you never know in addition to that our mtr beyond the mic is going to be just going out and speaking to people not just with regards to our four core topics but going into stuff on the tech side of things um ceos of certain companies that are out there we're we're just going to run the gamut with that stuff only because you'd be surprised how much interest there is out there with regards to some of the things we cover. There's guys that I've spoken to that are heads of major companies that are gamers or mixed martial arts fans or still watch wrestling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's just going to be another another outlet for MTR to grow and give you guys a little bit of information on you know, technology and companies you may not know about, but that may have some really cool shit out there. So that actually is going to be exclusive to the app. You can pick up the app on iTunes and also in the Android marketplace. It'll run you $1.99. Android and iOS apps are are pretty much identical. They get the same content. There's no difference with what device you have. If you have an iPhone or if you have an Android device, you're getting the same app. 
So that $1.99 is going towards getting something that's the same on both platforms. That's one thing I I really was very happy about when we launched it, that neither carrier is getting something um, cooler than the other. So again, it's $1.99. Look for it in the iOS store, or the aka the Apple store, or in the Android marketplace. My guest this week, which should be joining me at 11.30, is Derek Samuels. He's the president and CEO of Envision Inc., which are the makers of the Evo 2 Android game console. But not only is it a game console, but it's going to also allow you to use all existing Android applications, such as you know, all the games, all the different streaming apps. All of that will be accessible through this console. You'll also be able to stream games from their game box storage system, which they're launching. It's also a low-cost cloud PC, and you're going to get some free games on there. It's also going to be loaded with a sensory biometric application and just a, a ton of cool stuff. And I'm very interested in this product, not only because it's it's another gaming platform, but because it's going to be something that's going to just change the way we look at the Android system. As far as anybody who's used Android, you know it's been strictly for phones and for tablets. But now we're seeing the Android platform gain some legs and go into the gaming space a little bit more so. So Derek is going to be coming on and telling us a little bit more about his company, Envisions Inc., and also about the Evo 2 game box console. So I look forward to that only because I'm so curious as to how they plan on doing this and what type of an approach they're going to have considering that there's so many other outlets now where you can get gaming from, whether it's from home-based consoles, portable consoles, and even mobile OS from the Android side of things and from Apple. So really looking forward to that. I'm glad that they took the time to come through, and he should be joining us at 1130, hopefully. Next week, I'm going to be joined by representatives for Nate Marquardt, which I'm going to discuss his situation in the MMA segment. I'm sure that many of you guys that have been following this story were very surprised with the reasoning behind uh, Nate Marquardt's dismissal from the UFC and all the, the, the press that has gone on with regards to his appearance on the MMA Hour with Ariel Helwani to the statement he released regarding why he was dismissed from the, Uf- from the UFC and also why he was not medically cleared to fight. So his team from Alchemist MMA should be joining us next week. It should be a um, an interesting conversation, only because I have a lot of questions, some that I felt weren't answered this week when a statement was released. Um, if any of you guys are thinking that I'm going to come in and just bash these guys and beat them up, I'm not, only because I am going to ask tough questions because I, I, I have tough questions that I want answered. But I'm also a fan of Nate's. Um, he's always been an entertaining fighter, so I'm not going to come and verbally destroy these guys because like i said we have a great relationship with alchemist brendan schaub who was on previously but again i have some questions they may not be uh the easiest questions but they'll be the ones that will gain will give us some more insight into what happened so i hope that those guys will be joining us next week as for my opening monologue this week a couple of things i wanted to discuss of course we got july 4th weekend coming up and you know, if you're out there barbecuing, lighting fireworks, don't blow your hands off. Please uh, stay safe. But the other thing I wanted to talk about with regards to the, the July 4th holiday is that movie releases around this time always seem to 
to gain a lot of steam. Right now, Transformers opened yesterday when actually I think it opened Tuesday in some markets and Wednesday in others. Uh, the general world worldwide release is supposed to be tomorrow. Uh, actually, today, excuse me. And the funny thing that's been happening as of late is that Hollywood seems to be investing all their energies into this 4th of July weekend, which, I mean, it's great, but there are just other ways that you can go out there and and gain maximum exposure. I mean, you got the Christmas holiday season, you got Thanksgiving, Memorial Day weekend, and July 4th weekend. And it always seems that Hollywood puts all their eggs in this one basket, which, you know, whatever, that's what they choose to do. But I feel that if your movie is good, you don't need to hide it behind a holiday for it to be successful. You look at a movie like The Dark Knight, which I'm going to discuss in regards to some movie news later on in the sec in the movie segment. Uh, the Dark Knight came out and had a huge feature run for a very long time and made a shitload of money. There wasn't a sweet spot with regards to the release. It was just released like any other film, and the quality of the film made it stand on its own two feet. Now it seems that Hollywood, besides hiding behind the crutch of 3D, is hiding behind the crutch of increased holiday weekend ticket sales to boost their numbers. And I don't mind that, but it kind of bums me out only because if a movie's meant to be good, it doesn't matter when it comes out. If it's good, it'll make money. I just think that, that Hollywood hides behind this bullshit, and I figured I'd just state my reasoning on it only because you got Transformers that comes out this week, and then right after that, you got Captain America. Of course, Green Lantern dropped right before that. It's almost like they're grouping them all in there. And what's happening is each movie that comes out is, is subsequently fucking up the totals for the other movies. Because Cars 2, obviously, we all know is no secret. It was number one this week. But guess what happens? Transformers came out. And I guarantee, I can, I can almost bank on the fact that Cars will not be number one this week. It won't. Anybody who thinks otherwise is insane. Cars is not going to be number one. On the contrary, if anything, it's probably going to be second or third, only because there's been a lot of uh, word of mouth that has spoken ill of Cars, too. And it, it's everybody who's, who's I've spoken to has said that it's really not that great. I mean, it's great for the kids, but other than that, it's not... Um, on that same level of quality that you've come to expect from Disney and Pixar. So we'll see what the box office totals look like, but I'm not going to beat up this monologue any further. And we are going to talk some MMA because there's a ton of shit going on. But first, I want to talk about the UFC on Versus that happened this past weekend. All right. Originally, the main event was scheduled to be Nate Marquardt uh, versus Rick Story, obviously. Nate did not clear medicals and was thus removed from the event and also terminated from the UFC. I'll discuss that later. But the event itself was solid. You had a great card on the Facebook side of things with Manny Gambirian versus Tyson Griffin, Joe Stevenson and Javier Vasquez, Joe Lazan and Kurt Warburton. Rich Antonito and Daniel Roberts, Nick Lentz and Charles Oliveira, which was actually a very interesting fight that ended in controversy. Matt Grease versus Ricardo Lamas and Edward Filoto versus Michael Johnson. 
On the main card on Versus, you had Pat Barry and Chet Congo, Charlie Brenneman and Rick Story, Matt Brown and John Howard, and Matt Mitrione and Christian Moorcraft. Now, first off, I want to just get into some of the prelim matches. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I will pick out some that got my attention. Of course, Edward Filoto versus Michael Johnson. Um, very interesting, only because I was expecting to see Michael Johnson on the televised card, but... You know, he's he's relegated to Facebook for the moment only because Michael Johnson was very good on The Ultimate Fighter. He seemed like a guy that had a lot of talent and had plenty of tools to be a major player at 155. His fight with Filoto definitely showed was a coming out party. Um, Filoto opened up the start of the fight with a leg kick, which made Johnson back up. They exchanged a couple of punches back and forth. Filoto utilized the clinch and was pressing Johnson towards the cage at the, in the early part of the rounds. Johnson, though, switched and took Filoto to the ground. But one thing I noticed was that he couldn't keep him down, and Johnson was also bleeding over his eye very early in the fight. The funny thing was that Johnson's stand-up looked very, much, very improved, but Filoto also made sure to use a lot of leg kicks to take Johnson's legs out from under him since Johnson's strengths are in wrestling. One funny thing, though, was that they exchanged, at one point, they exchanged knees in the clinch, and Johnson dropped Filoto, and that was a wrap. Filoto ended up uh, losing via strikes. Michael Johnson wins at 442 in the first round. Now, like I said, I was very impressed with Michael Johnson. He did show improvement in his stand-up. I definitely was concerned that he wasn't checking his kicks the way he should have, but... um. The funny thing about it was that his work in the fight showed much improvement. So I was very impressed with Michael Johnson. I look forward to seeing him fight at 155. Now, the other fight, the one that caused some controversy, was Nick Lentz and Charles Oliveira. There was a, a huge exchange in the first round with Oliveira getting the better of it. Um, Oliveira ended up closing the round with, by dropping Lentz and gaining full mount. In the second round, though, there was an issue where Oliveira escaped and kneed Lentz in the head while he was on the ground. Now, the funny thing about it was that the ref did not seem to see it. So, he kneed him again. And the crowd, obviously, is seeing this on the big screen. Oliveira ended up pounding on Lentz. He ended up taking his back and securing the rear naked choke for the win. Now, this is one of the reasons why I say that monitors and instant replay are necessary in mixed martial arts for instances like that because the referee is not going to be able to see every little thing that happens. I'm not sure if the UFC would want to start allowing cameras on the referees like they did in Strikeforce only because that would be a good way to catch some of those things because that knee was vicious to the head. I was I was shocked. I was like, wow, not only once but twice that he snuck that knee in there. And um, the decision for that fight I'll discuss in the MMA segment, but definitely something that a lot of people were not happy with. Moving on into some of the prelims, Joe Lazan returned to his winning ways, securing a Kimura submission on Kurt Warburton. Um, Lazan looked really good in this fight. Uh, I think that um, his little his little lo losing streak um, motivated him to, to train harder and also, he had a lot of injuries in the last few fights, some you know more serious than other, 
than others. And I'm I'm very happy to see him winning again and, you know, using that Brazilian jiu-jitsu that he's so well-versed in by taking the victory via submission. On the featherweight side of things, Joe Stevenson and Javier Vasquez, I expected uh, Joe Daddy to come in there and do some serious work. I'm actually a fan of Joe Stevenson's. I like watching him fight. He's very exciting. But this was not Joe Stevenson's lucky day, unfortunately. Javier Vasquez took the fight via unanimous decision across two out of three rounds in my eyes. Stevenson looked good, but Vasquez definitely looked better. On the featherweight side of things, Manny Gambirian and Tyson Griffin met to close things out on the Facebook side of things with Tyson Griffin securing a victory via unanimous decision. Now, moving into the versus side of things, like I said, I'm just going to pluck a couple of fights out. Uh, the heavyweight bout with Matt Mitrione and Christian Moorcraft was, again, just a... Um, a great showcase for Mitrione. Mitrione continues to improve. He's charismatic. He's entertaining. He he knows how to sell a fight. And I think his fight with Moorcraft showed that oh, Matt Mitrione's just going to keep getting better after every fight. He ended up taking the fight by KO with a uh, right hook straight. And he, he ended up catching him with a right hook. And then another, he, he actually caught him in a combo with a right hook. And the, uh, the meathead chance, of course, filled the arena. Matt Mitrione was, again, fantastic. He looked great in the first round, and that KO was ridiculous. He had very good footwork, significantly improved stand-up. I, I am a Mitrione fan. I really like watching him fight. He's, he's exciting to watch. And like I said, he's charismatic, and he's, he's good with the fans. The fans love him. Um, it's funny, his post-fight interview, he quoted Ricky Bobby by saying that he pisses excellence. So, um, <laughs> needless to say, uh, Matt Mitrione was very entertaining, and his KO was vicious. Moving on, on the welterweight side of things, Charlie Brenneman was stepping in for Nate Marquardt against Rick Story. Brenneman actually ended up taking the fight via unanimous decision, so, you know, a good decision on his part by taking this fight and getting securing the unanimous victory, the unanimous decision win over Rick Story. Now, the main event, I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. I am a huge Pat Barry mark. Huge Pat Barry mark. Only because his Muay Thai, disgusting. Whenever he throws a leg kick, you almost feel like that person's femur is slowly cracking. The guy's stand-up is ridiculous. Now, Czech Congo, I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with him. Sometimes he, he does his interviews you know, and he's French, so he's sitting there, and he always comes off like a real pompous jackass, but the the guy has great talent, and, and fuck did he show it, man. I had Pat Barry as a lock for this fight, and I'll tell you what, he gave Czech Congo a thorough ass whooping, but Czech Congo actually ended up doing the, what I like to call the miracle comeback, and he actually caught Pat Barry with an uppercut that I thought would have put his head in the fifth row, uh, just from the viciousness of it, Congo redeemed himself and ended up taking the fight with the with the KO in round one. But again, I I I don't want to take this and 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 shit on Barry because, like I said, I'm a huge Barry fan. I just think that Czech Congo is one of those guys. He's he's in that what I like to call that that mid echelon of of solid heavyweights. That you know he kind of floats under the radar, but he has a lot of talent. And the guy the guy could take an ass whooping. It was ridiculous. You had punches and kicks. You even got a takedown attempt in there. But Congo also, he he was aggressive. He landed two hard leg kicks 
which I was which I was very impressed with because I actually flinched when I saw that, and I usually flinch when Barry throws him. So Congo Congo wasn't fucking around either. Overall, great performance by Czech Congo. Sad that Pat Barry lost, but great card from Versus. Great Facebook card as well. And we got UFC 132 this weekend. Vandele Silva and Lieben, Cruz and Faber, Tito and Bader. Oh, it's going to be sick. I'm not going to sit here and give you guys fight picks only because these fights are so exciting that I don't want to jinx myself by doing picks. I used to do picks all the time on the site, and I started noticing that I was so entranced with making sure that my picks won all these fights that I wasn't enjoying the cards at the level that I should. I may go back to doing the picks at some point, but I just feel that mentally I invest so much into them that it's kind of in the back of my mind and keeps me from enjoying the fights. So that's why you guys haven't seen fight picks for any of the past few UFC cards, but you never know that may change, but Hey, we got our, our buddies over at MMA Valor. They throw in some fight picks once in a while. So those could actually help satisfy your fight pick fix for the moment until at least I get motivated and decide to do them again. All right. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes and all the, MMA news overall. First off, the um, I, I'll go into the, the the fight bonuses because that actually goes into everything else that I want to discuss with the versus event. The fifty thousand dollar fight bonuses went to the following: submission of the night went to Joe Lazan. KO of the night went to Czech Congo, which is fucking obvious. Fight of the night went to Nick Lentz and Charles Oliveira. Now. The funny thing about that fight, besides, like I said, being awarded the $50,000 fight of the night bonus, was the fact that the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission took the opportunity to review the fight and decided that they were going to rule it a no contest. The commission actually overturned the win because they reviewed the fight and decided that the illegal knees that the referee Chip Snyder failed to act upon contributed to the win. Um, it's funny, though, because it's... People are saying that the you know it was an accidental kick, but he actually need him in the head based on what I saw twice. So that fifty thousand dollars is great. The no contest you know it doesn't hurt, but I th I think that you have to find a better way to uh, monitor the cage because things like that are going to creep in through the radar, and it's unfortunate to say the least. Now, as I said leading up to this, this is uh, actually going to be. I'm going to take this time to discuss the Nate Marquardt situation. Um, Nate Marquardt was suspended because his medicals did not pass clearance through the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission. Now, after not being able to compete at the versus event, Dana White took to Twitter in typical Dana White fashion and um, decided to fire Nate for his actions. Now, of course, a lot a lot can be said about the firing. It could have been done differently, blah, 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 blah. But Dana White is known for being Dana White. And sometimes he, he takes the opportunity to make an example out of people. And, and again, I'm, I like Dana White, but sometimes he does some really crazy stuff. Um, and this was one of them. I think that in a situation like this, especially something so so public when, when you want to fire your guys, I, I think there's just a better way to do it. I think just firings like that, just public firings 
while they do have their place in the sport, just for that particular instance, I just felt it was ill-timed. But, hey, it is what it is. I think that it could have just gone differently. That's all I got to say. Anyway, now, everybody, of course, was wondering what what happened that fucked up Nate's opportunity to appear on this card. And um, there there was tons of speculation on Twitter, um, you know, pissing hot with steroids, blah, 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 blah. As it turns out, um, Nate Marquardt released a statement, and it was that he was actually going through testosterone replacement therapy. Now, testosterone replacement therapy falls into a really strange gray area because it, it, it can be done for medical purposes, but if done for the wrong re- for the wrong reasons, it does become performance enhancing. Now, one of the things with regarding that that's that's a little suspect is that when you have to talk about testosterone replacement therapy, it's because your body produces low testosterone levels, that's one, or two, you are coming off a post-steroid cycle and you need to level out. Now, Nate Marquardt, he's had his issues and he's been suspended by the commission before, but in this particular instance, he did have he was using it uh, for a medical reason, and the issue was that the doctor that was handling that did not abide by, you know, USDA regulations with regards to testosterone replacement therapy. In addition to that, he um, he it was an issue that needed to be addressed prior to this fight, and it wasn't. It actually ended up continuing to be a factor, and it it ended up making the P- the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission suspend him. Now, Dana White, of course, took to Twitter, and he also talked about it this week and suspended him. But I am going to go into a couple of statements, and I want to share them with you guys. Dana White uh, gave the following with regards to the situation. He puts, the thing that's going on with Nate Marquardt, Pennsylvania laws are unfortunate in that the commission can't come out and announce medical records or medical situations with fighters. This was, you know, right after um, he, Nate Marquardt was fired. But I think it's pretty clear to the fans and everybody else that I'm pretty disgusted with Nate Marquardt. He's been cut from the UFC. He won't fight in the UFC ever again. Bottom line is what Nate Marquardt did is bad enough to be cut from the UFC. I'm disgusted with him, and he has no business fighting in our organization. When asked if past problems factored in, he said, we all make mistakes. People make mistakes. We're human beings, and it's going to happen. It's how you handle it. And Nate Marquardt is a nice guy. He's a sweetheart, and he always says the right things. But being nice and acting nice and doing the right thing are two different things altogether. Now, the funny thing is that um, a lot of people took to the web very quickly, and they were like, hey, you know, you can fire Nate Marquardt, but Chael Sonnen still has a job. Dana White did discuss that. But Nate Marquardt took to the MMA hour and shared his thoughts on the situation. He stated that he suffers from a, taste, uh, a testosterone deficiency for which he took prescribed testosterone. And he did seek a therapeutic exemption to continue his career. The problem was that when he did not produce the exemption to the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission, he was not medically cleared to fight. Now, the funny thing is, Dana White gave a little bit more information. 
uh, well, he shared his thoughts a little bit more with regards to that. And when asked about the testosterone therapy and whether it may have been performance enhancing, he said the following. There's a difference between testosterone replacement therapy and where you get it to a level where it's a performance enhancer. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to pretend that I even remotely know what I'm talking about. But I know you get to a certain level where it's more than testosterone replacement therapy and trying to get back to normal levels. When asked if Marquardt would deserve a second chance, he stated, to me, this is his fourth chance. He tested positive before. Then apparently he was on suspension with New Jersey because his levels were high. Then he comes to Pittsburgh and doesn't pass his medicals. Is that a fourth chance or a second chance? It sounds like a fourth chance to me. Now, as I said, when asked about the comparison between Chael Sonnen and Nate Marquardt, he said the difference between Chael and Nate is that we can talk about everything with the Chael situation. We can't with Marquardt. This isn't the first time. Everyone's like, oh, give him a second chance. He said this would be like the fourth time. And he continued to elaborate on the fact that Nate's done. He stated, I'm done with Nate. Nate is a really nice, sweet, and humble guy, but facts are facts. Now, the thing about it is, I um, like I said, I'm bummed. Nate Marquardt is a nice guy, but it it is what it is. You can you can call it like it. You can call it any way you want. I think that the way he was dismissed was unfortunate. I mean, if you want to take that stance on testosterone replacement therapy, that's fine. But one thing I would like to see is to see testosterone replacement therapy reviewed and looked at even more so only because this is the second time it's been a factor of course the first being with Chael Sonnen and and the margin for it becoming performance enhancing is definitely there and it needs to be looked at a little bit more so I, I was bummed like I said I was bummed I like Nate Marquardt but shit it is what it is now speaking of Chael Sonnen Chael Sonnen's suspension with the California State Athletic Commission ended, yeah, I believe, yesterday. Uh, CSAC Executive Director George, George Dodd said that Sonnen's name will be removed from a national registry of fighters that notes medical and administrative suspensions. But he did say that to be licensed in California, Sonnen will have to appear before the commission, and rehabilitation is likely to be something that he has to do to be relicensed. Dodd also noted that the California State Athletic Commission is in the process of finalizing formal language on the state's therapeutic exemption process for testosterone replacement therapy to be added to the commission's current statutes. He went on to say that also future applicants for an exemption will need to appear before the commission and its newly formed medical advisory committee to evaluate the necessity of using testosterone. See, this is what I was saying earlier with regards to having this particular thing be looked at a little closely because now it's becoming a thing where it's 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 going to fuck up a lot of guys' careers if they're not doing the right paperwork and they're not getting the right doctors involved. It's just a completely unfortunate situation, and I'm not going to beat it up any further because, like I said, I would like to talk to Nate's team next week and get some more information and ask a couple of questions I have myself. Now, moving on into some other MMA news, we got that strike force with uh, Dan Henderson and Fedor July 30th. Already there's a couple of things happening with the card, a lot of injuries that are starting to fuck things up. Paul Daly was scheduled originally to fight Cyborg Santos, but unfortunately he is injured. So Cyborg is out and will be instead replaced by Tyrone Woodley. I don't know yet if this fight will be for Nick Diaz's vacated belt. Um, 
you would think it would be, but who knows at this point. But I'm actually very excited for it. Tyrone Woodley is very is a very exciting fighter, and Paul Daly, what what whatever fight he's in is always going to be a fight of the night, and it and it always may result in a memorable knockout as well. Also, another injury was regarding Hodger Gracie. Hodger Gracie was scheduled to fight King Mo. Unfortunately, now with Hodger injured with a stress fracture, he will not be able to compete in this match. Now, originally they were saying that they were going to get a, a substitute opponent for King Mo. It's it's looking like they may actually be rescheduling the fight for September. Either way, we'll see how it goes. I would have liked to see King Mo and Hodger Gracie fight. I think it would have been exciting, but you can't take away some of the great fights that are going to be happening on this card. You got Hendo and Fedor in a heavyweight non-title fight. You got Marlos Kunin and Misha Tate, Paul Daly and Tyrone Woodley, Tim Kennedy and Robbie Lawler, and Tarek Safadine and Scott Smith. Overall, great fights from Strike Force July 30th, and I'm I'm just as excited as I was before some of these injuries happened to check out some of these fights. Slick just notified me that Derek is on the line. Let me just bring him on. Hopefully this new Blog Talk Radio switchboard will work the way it should. <laughs> hey, Derek, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, Rich? You doing okay? I'm good, man. Thanks for taking the time to call in. I hope everything is well. Uh, absolutely, not a problem. A little, a, a, a little late uh, for me anyway. We work all night long anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a feeling you guys were running late. I mean, I, I knew when I when I spoke to uh, to Terrence, he said you know that he he relayed the information to you, and of course you and I spoke, so I I knew sure. it was bound to happen. Sure. It might be a little, it might have been a little late, but it's it's all good in my book. Okay, hey, I will appreciate it. Thank you. Well. First off, of course, your company Envisions, which I actually learned about from an Engadget article a couple of weeks back, um, has has their hands in a lot of pies. And I figured we'll start with just the origins of Envisions as, as a company. And, you know, tell us a little bit about it and how it came to fruition and what made you decide to go into this venture and use gaming as the medium you guys wanted to embrace. Absolutely. Um it's, it's a crazy story. Uh, I, I know a lot of viewers don't know this, but originally I had my own publishing company because I actually drew my own comic books. And I, I was an artist, and that was initially what I thought I would be doing for the rest of my life was drawing uh, art or some type of comic book-related deal. However, uh, my interest changed, and I became interested in the gaming console market because I, too, was a gamer from the 1980s with the first Nintendo system. And I got really into gaming and doing a system when I noticed that a lot of companies were trying to come out on the market with uh, different type of systems, and I felt that I could create a better system. So me and a group of coworkers got together and crowdsourced before crowdsourcing was cool <laughs> and crowdsourced the funds to initially get started, which was probably $5 per week in 2004. Wow. That's, a, that's crazy, but... The the funny thing was that it, it, it's funny you talk about going into into being a comic book artist and then just going into gaming. What what was what was it that what was the catalyst that made you want to go into gaming besides just being a you know a, a gamer from the eighties? What you know did you feel that you had a concept that you really wanted to bring to the masses? Was it just people inspiring you? What you know what pushed you in that direction? It it was just I think a spur of the moment. I was at work one day and. And I learned 
most of the business things that I learned because I was I was in the in the Marine Corps and I was uh, in infantry more or less, but I didn't have no skills in computers or whatsoever. But in 2004, I would learn business through the USA Today and trade magazines and you know venturing online. But one day I noticed there was a company called which everybody knows the Phantom Console, and I was right. reading that article about the Phantom. And I said. If people were bashing it, you know, you got, you know, it won't work. This, you know, you know, we know the deal with the Phantom. And I said, well, I think I can do that. I told my friend that was next to me, you know, at my desk at work. I said, I think I can do this. It was just one of those crazy moments that my my mind was saying something. My body was like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I said, I think I can do it. And from that that point on, I started getting all my coworkers excited, and I got excited. And before I know it, I started saving my money, pooling my money. And bringing those guys together to help you know start the company. Yeah, I was. I, I took the opportunity and and you know researching the company and, and you know you guys have have such a great story, especially you know you actually are involved in some of the stuff that we are, you know that we actively cover from from comics to games. So you know it, you you guys got a really great story and you know I got to applaud you for your for your motivation to bring this to the market. Now, what made you guys want to use Android as your as your platform? Uh, I don't know if a lot of viewers know this, but we originally started out around 2006. We were basing our system. Uh, we were going we to try to develop a custom application, but, you know, due to different things, setbacks, we moved with a Windows-based version. Then we moved forward to uh, a Linux-based uh, version of the system. And we started the 2009 system with XBMC, and then this time around we decided to go with the Android operating system because we felt that was more cutting edge and it was something different and unique. And we thought Google kind of missed it, the opportunity with the Google TV application. So we wanted to bring apps uh, to the TV and, and bring it together inside of consoles. Well, it's funny you, that, that you're, you mentioned the XBMC. When you guys were, were working with XBMC and even Windows and Linux, did you guys feel that development on those platforms was going to be something that that was that was proving to be difficult. Did you you know hit, hit any hurdles along the way that made you move from operating system to operating system? Um, when we did it with the XBMC, it was more or less of. I think a lot of people don't notice, and I read a lot of it online. I think people kind of got it crossed up a little bit when we came out with the initial beta beta Evo system. And they felt that I think a lot of people consider that system to be an official release of a system, but it was a beta system, and that's why we used XBMC because at the time it was a, a open source platform, and we wanted to draw open source uh, gamers and open source developers to the platform. So XBMC was just something because at the time we were learning and trying to understand the market ourselves. Because I spent close to a million dollars, you know, just trying to study and understand the market, you know, when we were developing with the XBMC platform. You know, in going in going in that route with with XBMC and the amount of investment you put in, I'm sure that when you realized that Android was a lot more open and had a lot more opportunities to capture uh, the gaming market, I'm sure I'm sure you were very happy to make the transition. How did you guys approach Google with regards to that, and you, what you know what members did you bring on board for your company to help move that along? Well, what we did with uh, with the Android operating system, we haven't really approached anybody from Google yet. Uh, we kind of just since the software is open source for developers, uh, we 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 initially just you know 
got the open source platform, uh, developed it on the hardware, and uh, I think if, you know, if the approach is, we had a lot of companies approach us, you know, want to work with us on this. You know, if the opportunity is there to work with Google, you know, we would love to work with Google on this. Uh, we we keep we so we're still working with the staff that we had most of the staff that we had in 2004, so it's just a small group of us doing something that we love and we're passionate about it. And I think a lot of people you know see us as individuals in suits and stuff, but we're more just down to earth everyday gamers, uh, business people that want to give back and, and bring something positive to the gaming market. Are you are you looking to capture more of the casual market, or are you looking to go across? All, all facets of gaming because usually when you look at some of these things right. especially now you know with Google TV going into Android 3.0 and bringing some of their applications into the fold and things like Apple TV and even Roku you know throwing angry birds on their on their hardware do you feel that you're going to have to just kind of do a broad stroke approach and hit all angles or are you going to just focus on smaller avenues first before branching out that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. Um, the goal that we had in mind was to initially release the platform, you know, using the Google operating system. But we do have intentions of having streaming on the platform and a casual base. Uh, but it's in our interest, I think, to you know start off kind of, you know, with the casual. Then go. I think our mainstream games, our more hardcore games, will come from a streaming aspect of the system, opposed to the Android side right now. Because as you know, Android you know, can't handle games similar to what's on the PlayStation 3, but the graphics that's on the system now I think are great for what we're trying to achieve in this early version of what we're trying to do. The Evo 2, I think, is a learning curve, an even deeper learning curve than the first system. I really think where we really, really hit our strides when we try to when we get ready to develop the Evo 3, which is going to be a couple of years from now. Uh, but I think the question, like I said, is I think we're going to do more towards streaming on the platform and try to bring in a more mainstream audience and try to be, you know, similar and be competitive if we can on some level uh, with other consoles since everybody, you know, put us in that ballpark with those guys. Well, in looking at your service, I know that you want to integrate your uh, your game box at uh, storage and streaming. Um, give, me, give me a little bit more background on the game box it because when I was reading about it, it almost seemed like it was a, a drop box for games. And I wasn't too, I wasn't too sure on how it would fit in, so I figured I want you know I, I wanted to touch on that and ask you know what's the the concept with Game Boxit and how does it tie into the Evo Two console? Another great question, glad you asked, because <laughs> a lot of a lot of people have been asking us some of the same questions. So uh, Game Box and what a lot of people don't know is that Game Box and some of our other servers are actually part of the Evo platform that it's already that you can already go to it now and sign up or what have you, but. What GameBox does for the system, it brings the cloud version stores to the system that we want to implement with the system where gamers can store their screenshots, their game saves, their photos, their videos, or you can even store Word documents. Uh, with our platform with GameBox.com, it allows you to, my theory, I think, is to let you store things that you need to store that's important as where the other platforms say store everything because I think some things on your computer don't need storing in the cloud. Uh, with GameBox, you get to select what you want to store in the cloud, and the speed and the accuracy that it does it is amazing. So it works in conjunction with the system by letting users back up content from the console to their GameBox storage account. Well, it's funny, too, because 
when I looked at it, I said that that cloud gaming is being embraced now by Xbox, is being embraced by Sony, whether it's maintaining your saves on there or even just getting your games directly from the cloud. In in looking at that and looking at, at, at offerings from Apple TV, Google, Roku, etc., who do you feel is is your biggest competitor in in this particular space? Do you feel that it's more so on the Google TV and Apple TV side of things, or is it more along the lines of things like Roku or or the Logitech Review Box? Like, wh- what are you guys honing in on in terms of just major competition that you feel are are going to be in the way of success for this console? That, that's an amazing question. Great question. Uh, we spoke about that a lot. Uh, this week, and I, I, it's really hard to, to put a, a peg on that because you got on live, you got the Roku box, like you said, you got Google, the consoles. Uh, we're trying to really just carve a niche and bring some different things to the console. I think I learned the early lesson early on when I released the Evo first system was I gave away a lot of information in the beginning. Not saying this, that, that the guys took information for the other systems, but I gave away a lot of things in the beginning, what our system was going to be doing. It was the first system built on convergence. Uh, and I think with this system, we got a couple more surprises that we plan to do. Uh, and I think, the, to answer your question correctly, some of those surprises that we plan to do, we want to keep them a secret. We, we do have some things that make it a little different because right now, I think, in the, in the market, you got a lot of systems that, almost seems similar in style, is going to be one or two factors that's going to separate a system from pulling away from the pack. And I think we have a couple things that we want to introduce, uh, but at this point, it's hard to peg down who is closest to us as being a, a competitor that's going to stop us from being successful. Uh, that's something I would love to come back to in the future once we have a lot more information about our system on the market. Oh, that's not a problem. I, I definitely can respect the fact that you want to keep that stuff under your hat. Um well, go, going back to what you were saying in terms of capturing the, the casual market, as we, as we all know, you know, the, the, the casual market is, you know, Angry Birds, Words with right. Friends, work, little apps like that that you can, you know, do a lot with and also take up minimal space. Now, with regards to that, are you guys looking to also develop your own content for that or are you going to, you know, get that content from from those type of providers like Rovio and, you know, um so smaller companies like that that make some of these great games, um PopCap things like that or are you going to also be on the development side of things and working on putting out your own content? Absolutely. We plan to uh get content from other developers, other publishers and also develop exclusive games for this system. Uh, one of the games that we hope to release soon, uh, probably won't be this year, be next year, hopefully, is Kid Destiny, based off one of the comic books that I did, uh, Immortal Assassins, uh, another comic book similar to the X-Men, Sin, uh, another comic book that I did. I want to bring some of those things that I learned from the comic book uh, when I was doing comic books and bring it over to the console. And I want to be a more hands-on uh, uh, console creator that developed and orchestrate, you know, develop our own games, but a little bit, a little bit of mixture of both. Well, that, you, that's actually very good to hear, that, and I'm and I'm happy you answered it that way. Only because you see a lot of the a lot of these guys, they always have a grasp on one concept, and right. and you seem to have both sides of it covered, especially on the creative side, because you have, uh, I'm sure you have your own comic book properties that this would give you a great opportunity to even bring those to the masses as well. So you actually get a a one-two punch because you got 
hardware and software, plus you're putting your ideas behind both. Absolutely, uh, and and that, and that's always been a vision of mine. Once I realized we could do this with a console, because as you know, all the media things, the, the comic books, movies, uh, everything kind of goes together. What we're doing now is hand in hand. I love it. I grew up watching, you know, uh, from the eighties, Transformers, GI Joe. I, I I love that aspect of bringing this type of content and bringing it to the console. Because these days you have a lot of corporate people behind these companies that don't really have a concept or the feel of uh, these type of uh, properties, you know, from the 80s to now and, and actually hands-on developing some of the content that you see on these consoles. And with me having you no know, skills and assets in that area, it's really, I think it's something great, you know, for us, for our console, distinction that, you know, the creator is actually going to have hands-on developing and concepts on games. So I'm really enjoying it because I love I love the creativity that it allows me with this platform. Um, one one thing I noticed when in, in looking over the Evo box, um, what was uh, the 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 sensory biometric application? I was very curious about that because I've seen sensory sensory biometrics be be teased on platforms like the Wii and also um, Jedi Mind with regards to you know using. Um, your your mind to play some of these games. Give give me a little bit more information on the on the sensory biometric application and how that relates to your console and what you how you plan on integrating that. Whether it's going to be from a gaming standpoint or whether it's just going to be something that's going to be unique to the console overall. I'm gonna try to touch on that a little bit without spilling too much excitement about it. But uh, that's, that's fine. That's fine. But 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 that that was what I uh, when I was I was doing a lot of tweeting. A lot of people asked me. Uh, that's the concept where I mean we really want people to really feel and touch the Internet. Uh, we got something special for that. Uh, the, the hardest problem right now with developing that is trying to find the right device uh, that are, that are, that complement that in the console because it's going to be – I wanted to bundle it with the Evo 2, uh, but I don't think it's going to get done in, 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 at this stage. But originally with the first Evo, the biometrics was – it was there to, you know, for game saves and – identification and to make sure you know, when you played your system, it was you that was playing your system in your games. But I want to take that even a step further with this platform. But like I said, it's, I don't know if we're going to make it in time, which we probably won't because I'm still trying to get uh, one or two bugs, a couple things that I think that needs to be tweaked a little bit. We got the main idea, but we really, the, the, the key thing, we really want people to touch the Internet, really want them to touch the Internet. Okay, fair enough. Um, that that's a good enough answer for me. Um, the um, you were you were talking about on on the current specifications. I noticed that you guys are 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 working on the newest version of the Android OS. Now, my my question to you guys is: Are you right now actively working with Honeycomb, or are you waiting for their ice cream sandwich update to go and you know tweak your development accordingly? Uh, unfortunately, we're not working with the Honeycomb application because I felt that it was it was going more toward the office type scenario. I, I, I felt that I, I felt it didn't have what we needed for for the game. We're still using 2.2, but we will be making significant tweaks uh, to that. And if anything that Google released under Ice Cream that's valuable for the TV or gaming in, in, in respect, we will use it. But we're doing a lot of tweaking. To what we already got, because now if you see the system, if you play the system now in high, high definition, your eyes are thank you for doing it. It looks great. 
Well, one thing I noticed in, in, in going through the specs, I, w- I was seeing that you guys, you guys have the HDMI in there. You guys made sure to cover all the different um, connections that you're going to need. But one thing that jumped out at me was that you, you stated that it was going to serve as a low-cost cloud PC. Now, with regards to that, you obviously know that to maintain uh, a competitive price point, you got you got to kind of pick a niche and stick to it. Do you feel that by covering so many things, you may, you know, kind of pull yourself out of that? Or is it something where you want to say, hey, you can do all this stuff and you can get it for, for a really great price? That's a great question. Uh, we discussed that a lot, too, internally. Uh, we wanted to carry some things over from the beta thing that people like, and PC was one of those applications. Uh, that's probably going to be an upgrade uh, depending on the feedback that we get because uh, we do want to make sure that we centralize our focus on gaming uh, media applications, but that's something that we get a lot of emails, a lot of questions on with Evo to support PC functionality. Uh, it'll be it'll be more like PC app functionality or some type of URL-based application where you can log in through, a, through our server, but right now that would probably be an added-on feature for later on. Okay. Um, I, was look, I was looking at your design, and I've seen a couple of different pictures for it. Um, are, these, are these designs final, or is this kind of like a, 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 gen, a generic design that you kind of put out there until, you know, you, you hit us with the real stuff? That's a great question. We haven't discussed that, too, internally. We still have time <laughs> to make changes. It all depends. We have a lot of different companies trying to partner with us. But as you know, at some point, you have to say, let's stop. This is what we got to go with. We may stop and have the design that we have now as the final piece, but come back with an upgrade uh, a little bit later on. And, and I believe in if you're going to do an upgrade and people purchase your old unit, and I want to feel I want to get them some type of credit or some some type of bonus. You know, if we do upgrade, maybe fifty, seventy five dollars, and maybe even exchange their evil for free if they bought an older version with the same style. So, right now, I think we're going to probably go with the current version so we can try to make it out on time because we don't have that many things left to do, and uh, come back with uh, a different type of model because I kind of like. I don't really want to put so much focus on the design because, like I said, like on live, it's just a little hub, and, and all it's used to do is just connect to where you want to go. So right now, I think we make stick with just what we have, and later on, we evaluate if we want to do an upgrade to the hardware. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I, I can understand your your rationale for that. The only thing that in in seeing that that concern that's concerning me is the that you want to put yourself out there and allow people to you know trade their console in. You know, that's a really great approach. How do you feel with regards to, you know, just the projected success rate? Are are you guys looking to hit certain targets, or do you guys just want to get as many units as possible out there to raise a profile? Like, what's your, you know, what strategy are you guys looking to employ with that? Absolutely. Realistically, we're we're no Sony, we're no Microsoft, uh, but I think we do have a buzz in the community. We get a lot of feedback. Uh, our goals, if we can hit, you know, between 50,000 units uh, just this year alone with some of the distributors and some of the other partners that we're working with, I think that'll be a great number, a successful number, a target for us. And as everybody knows, we're still a young company. We're still growing. And eventually, you know, one day I think we could do two or three million units. But right now I think twenty-five to 50,000 for us this year will be a great achievement of success for us. You know, I, I I'm I'm very I'm very impressed with the fact that you gave some some nice 
ballpark numbers because you're you're being a realist and you know that there's competition in the field out there and you want to make sure you're competitive but you also want to make sure to offer people something different so i gotta i gotta applaud you for that because thank you you know most people they'll come out and they'll be like well you know we want to come out there and you know we want to crush uh you know aces or we want to take out you know boxy or roku but I, your approach is a breath of fresh air only because you're really using that walk before you run approach. So gotta, I got to give you kudos for that, man. Thank you. But one one thing that was that um my my colleague asked me was if uh, there's a place where people can check out your your comic work because they want to see how it translates into games, or is that something you kind of keeping under your hat for now? Oh, I, I think one of my, my old friends, uh, I, I hooked up with him, and he was asking me, have I did anything new? Uh, most definitely, if the interest is there, I'll, I can post some things to our Facebook account. I really want to get back in the lab, what I call the lab. I got some great new stories coming out that I want to turn into games and into movies. Um, and I'm working on some new stuff because I'm excited again about drawing. Like I said, that's, that, that always been a passion of mine. I have tons of work. And most definitely, I want to have something where people can see, you know, some of that artwork, even if it's a, a, a comic book channel on the system itself. Uh, comic book channel would be interesting because I haven't seen anybody uh, grasp that concept yet. I, yet, I think that just reading comic books in, in general on a digital medium is still a little bit taboo. So hear, hearing you want to go in that direction is also something that sounds promising. I did want to ask, though, with 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 all this work you guys are putting in and you know going into now your second console with the Evo 2 what, you know what kind of growing pains have you expressed have you you know what what kind of hurdles have you guys bumped into with regards to you know securing funding and things like that have have you had difficulty just selling people on the idea and if so you know what what was what was the toughest sell you had to do to to you know get somebody on board with this platform Wow, I hope we got enough time, but here we go. <laughs> um, we have the 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 sacrifice and the struggle has been tremendous. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's been hard. A lot of people, you know, think it's easy to say, okay, I just want to build a game console. That's what I thought in 2004, but it's been it's been a hurdle. It's been a challenge to get funding because you know you don't hear too many consoles getting funding uh, from the VC. Uh, most of my funding came from uh, people crowdsourcing, family and friends. Uh, I used to work three jobs to fund my company, um, working 20 hours a day just trying to, you know, pay the bills and, and, and trying to make this success because, you know, I really believe in it. And it's difficult because you got to make sure you hire the right people. you got to have the, the right – the timing is everything. So there, has, there have been a lot of challenges when, you know, we didn't know – what was going to happen from the next day to the next. It's always been a blessing or something to come through and bail us out or, you know, to keep us going. But we feel a little bit more confident now. We're looking at new partners. Uh, but like I said, it's been a challenge. It's been a very difficult challenge uh, trying to maintain and keep going. But I feel that it's my mission and my obligation to, to let people see this system and the ideas and the visions that we want to do and bring to gaming and, and, and bring, like you said, a fresh breath of air into I think a, a market that people get the same things all the time from their from our competitors. Hey, you, that level that level of dedication is definitely going to ensure success. I did want to ask in regards to you utilizing crowdsourcing. You know, have you looked into into avenues like Kickstarter and things like that to help you guys get 
you know, get a little bit of get a bit of an extra push, or do you feel do you guys feel that at this at this juncture you're financially sound to you know move forward with getting these consoles out? Uh, we haven't worked with uh, as far as Indigo and Kickstarter as far as raising funds for us, but we do have some projects on Kick on uh, Indigo now called the One Million Dreams campaign, where we want people for every person that buys the Evo system. We'll give an Evo system away free to a neglected child, uh, children that lost their possessions during the tornadoes. Uh, we're doing campaigns like that now on the Indigo page, and we really you know, want to get gamers to help us out and support us because I feel if we can get a million systems and give away a million systems, that'll help us you know, with awareness for our brand and show people we're not more than just a company that want, you know, that's doing games. We also want to have a, help society if we can, you know, people that are less fortunate than us. That's a that that's a great approach. I know a couple of companies that do that. It actually sounds similar to a company called Tom Shoes that exactly. does that where you buy where you buy a pair of Tom Shoes. I you know, that's a that that that's a real uh noble cause, man, and, and definitely I, I can I can relate to that and if I'll try and get some information and put it out there to help you guys along sure. with that because that's that's a really great campaign. We we appreciate it and uh we had a lot of media you know, talking to us, and I mean, I told everybody I appreciate any help that we can get. My vision for that is we reach our one million goal. Uh, we give out those systems, those tablets, and I want to get. I want to have a world day, what I call it, where we bring the world together with all our, our t-shirts and just so I can thank everybody through a video in Japan or in Europe. You know, telling them thanks for helping us. You know, get these one million systems. You know, to those kids that need those systems. Man, I, I applaud you. That's a that's a really great uh, that's a really great way of going about it, and also raising awareness for the brand. Now, with regards to that, you were talking about doing a video from Japan. How are how are you addressing just the manufacturing of the console? Are you having the manufacturing done here in the United States, or are you going to Japan or China? And if so, you know how much of a hands on how much hands on involvement do you have with that? with the manufacturing of the console and just making sure that everything comes together and how many, you know, how, how many issues and headaches have you had to deal with, with that as well? Um, we plan to have the systems done in China. Um, and I, you know, I'm real hands on. Matter of fact, that brings me to a store when I first did this, uh, my first learning curve was I thought I had a drawing that I did of a diagram and I took it to one of the manufacturers here locally. And he said, uh, he said, "Mr. Samuels, this is we can't do this here." And I said, "Wow!" And that's when I realized that you know you had to go a little bit outside your area, and and I really try to take a hands-on approach, uh, developing the hardware or working on the hardware, and and because uh, I mean I enjoy I enjoy I enjoy every aspect of this this project that we're working on. Well, you know, go have you have you traveled to China to also see that hardware, or have you been dealing with it mostly through you know telecommuting, Skype, things like that, or have you actually gone to where your system's being manufactured and you know check to make sure that the quality control is at its best because you know it's it, you, you don't want to run into that situation where you get the console and then before you know it something doesn't work. Right, uh, not yet. It's mostly just through uh, communication, Skype. Uh, we got a real great communication. Uh, and I think in the future, you know, that's something that we can do. But I think now I, I trust the guys that's working on it right now. Like I said, we, we're still – we're not Apple or none of the big guys yet, but we still take quality uh, concerns and making sure that uh, customers – our customers make sure they get what they pay for and, you know, make sure you let them know we're a phone call away 
I mean, if I got to take the call, I'll take the call. But like I said, you know, right now, we, we got a real good trust with some of our partners and suppliers in China. Well, one thing I got to tell you, it was, it, was, it was definitely interesting calling your office and speaking to you directly. Um, so, so, you know, you do answer the phone. The other thing I wanted to ask, have you, have you guys started implementing a strategy to put it in the retail space, or are you only going to work on it being available through EnvisionZinc.com? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, right now, it's going to probably be available on EnvisionInc.com, but we also have a new Evo website that's in development uh, that we hopefully going to launch uh, shortly here. You know, before we start finalizing everything, uh, and we do plan to work with retailers in the future. But right now, it's probably going to become through. It's going to be through DivisionInc.com, but we do have distributors that's going to put us in some more unique places that you wouldn't think to see Evo. So we have a couple of more surprises that we're going to share with some of our fan base here shortly. Nice. Well, it's funny because, it, and I'm going to ask you a question relating, you know, of course, a lot of people are saying that, you know, they, today, you know, June 30th was declared Social Media Day. And I wanted to ask, has has social media played a bigger role now in helping you gain just uh, exposure out there? Um, amongst fans re regarding this console, have you guys embraced it fully to help you gain, you know, just more leverage and get your name out there? That's a great question, absolutely. Because when I first launched the system, Twitter, Facebook, all that wasn't available. Even our own site, Queep.com, uh, that wasn't available when I first launched the system. And so we took that in regards and embedded a lot of social aspects into the new Evo website. So you'll get a lot of social applications uh, on the website. So it's, it's been a tremendous help reaching out and letting people understand and see our brand and see what we're trying to do with this system. Nice. Uh, my, my last question for you is, you know, when, when can people expect to see, uh, you know, a model out there that they'll be able to get their hands on? I know, you know, I we, we've discussed, you know, us demoing it and, and sure. doing a write-up. Sure. What what kind of a timetable do you guys have? Are you guys looking to, to, to get it out there for the holidays, or maybe you're going to wait and start fresh in 2012? That's a great question. Again, great questions. Because uh, the same question you ask, a lot of questions we get from some of the some of the, the people that email us. Um, we we have a, we, I'm trying to get it ready for Christmas. It's it's so many things I want to try to pack into the box, but I know realistically. Some things will have to be held over to 2012 because I do want to get the Evo 2 unit out here, get people more to, to see the system so we can, you know, start looking at development for the Evo 3, which we would call, you know, the system of all systems, you know, because it's going to have a lot more things involved. Because I think right now even Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, a lot of companies really don't know where they really want to go right now. And, and, and that's because streaming – and a lot of different aspects. There's not a lot of things new that you can do to a console in the next two or three years, I think. And that's why I think it's important for us to get our system out here this year to, you know, so we have the sole system, the only system on the market, but also to go ahead and get it out here so we can, you know, start development uh, on the new system, but also keep the updates coming for Evo 2. But hopefully for review units, we want to get some out, you know, sometime in October, right before we go to lunch or August. Uh, select people will probably get them sooner than that, depending on, you know, when we decide to say, this is it, we're not putting anything else in the box, or we planned what I call the Genesis chip, where it'll be something that a, that a, a chip or a SD card that'll come with the system eventually this year or early next year where you can install it 
and it would do some fantastic things to your Evo system. Oh, that sounds that sounds like a like a pretty kick ass concept. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah you get the scoop on that. We the new the, the Evo three system, uh, the operating system would be called the Genesis OS, and that's what's going to be powering the new Evo system uh, when we come out with Evo three. But you would get a taste of it with Evo two. Nice. Um, what? When in in looking in looking at the design a little bit further, I noticed that you guys really went out of your way to not use any type of of optical media. I, I you know I noticed that you guys have some some card readers thrown in there. Was that something that was done just in terms of uh, system aesthetics, just to make it more more visually appealing, or did you just feel that hey we're going into into the next generation with with cloud computing and embracing the cloud, so we might as well take that step further and not use any physical media. Uh, absolutely, because, like I said, with streaming, um, it's changing a lot of things, and we want to make sure that, you know, we when that change does happen, the Evo 2 system will still be up to date on that level and standards. So, yes, that was an idea that we wanted to make sure we stayed, you know, on the cutting edge, you know, stay, you know, up to date with everybody else. It's funny because um, uh, one of our listeners in the chat asked, about where does he see the system being priced at? And I said that that's not something that you're going to give up because obviously, you know, at at this stage in the game, so close to launch, you don't want somebody to try and and you know cut your throat on it. But I will t- I will ask this though, with regards to to pricing, do you feel that pricing yourselves alongside major consoles is where you want to be viewed, or do you want to co- kind of be in that tier where you can say, hey? You get more value for your dollar going this way, even though we're just we're a new company on the scene. That's a great question. I, I can't reveal some things on the pricing. We have different price structures that we have, you know, right now. Right now, the system is right at two forty nine. It comes with the controller, uh, a, a remote like device, and the system HDMI. Uh, we feel that you you get the value with the updates and support that we bring to the system, or you can sign up for a Game Box nine dollar ninety nine cent account and get a free Evo with a one-year commitment so you'll get a lower entry to get a system. Or through the One Million Dreams campaign, I think it's around 235 for a system. You save a couple bucks by, you know, buying it in that format. Uh, eventually, you know, we probably will do price drops like everybody else does. But uh, um, right now, I, I think we had a real good competitive price and for the value. I think you can't overlook the support because if your system breaks down, if I had to come to your house personally to fix it, we will fix your system. <laughs> you won't have no red rings of death with this system. Very, very good. That's that's very good to hear. I did. I did want to ask: Did you um, did you intend on allowing this movie to also kind of become a center, uh, the system to become a center for your home theater with something like you know streaming movies? Because I noticed that you guys talk about photos and music and data. Did you also want to make it where it's a centerpiece for your home theater and allow you know streaming of your own media? things of that nature or is that something that you guys are kind of kind of waiting to see how the android development pans out absolutely i we most definitely want to be the center uh, for your media entertainment uh and i think a lot of people i want to i want to address this because we get a lot of people you know asking this question you know why would i need an evo system when i got an android 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 phone and android tablet uh, the answer to that is when you come home or when you're on the go, that's fine to have those devices. But with Evo, you may want to play some of those same great games on your HD TV. And so you can offload some of that content or sync it to your Evo system. That's your photos, your movies, 
All that can be sent to your Evo system, thus to your Gamebox account, or stream it from your PC to your Evo system and uh, store the information there. So we want it to be the center for your media entertainment, but also working in conjunction with other devices. It can even probably, uh, not probably, but I think we did some preliminary tests with Gamebox where it allowed you to back up uh, console games directly from the console. So Evo, uh, the idea is to attach it direct link to your Xbox and back up your Xbox save games. Nice. So, so you're actually making it so that it's also open ended and can play nice with your other consoles. That that that's a really great way to look at it. Just because there there's always an issue with storage, especially with something like the Xbox, which has you know a proprietary storage medium. But in, in regards to to you talking about all the storage you guys want to do, are you guys going to be instituting any caps? with, you know, Evo subscribers as to how much storage they're going to get because, you know, there's there might be one or two people that are going to, you know, try and game, <laughs> game the system, you know. Uh, right now, Gamebox does have a, pre, a preset limit. Uh, that's the, the service that will be linked to Evo. It does have a, a preset limit, and we have been kicking the idea of unlimited storage uh, depending on the feedback that we get from the community. Uh, but, you know, that's going to happen. You know, we, we have our uh, terms of agreement, and we try to make sure that, you know, everybody can upload what they want, but you know, that's going to happen. It's really hard to police that, but, you know, we'll try to keep an eye on that. But, you know, we really want to make sure everybody can upload what they want to upload. We want to be different. We want to be open. We want to show people that we're a different company for a new generation of console gamers. Um, your your storage, your, your cloud storage facilities, are you going to be trying to do things where they'll be mirrored here in the United States and, you know, in England or, or in China, or are you going to try and just have everything uh, outsourced outside of the U.S. to allow for, you know, larger storage mediums and in the end, you know, save yourselves a little money. Absolutely. That's the idea. Uh, we use the Amazon S3 servers for our, our storage. Uh, we developed the front end with Gamebox, uh, the client that, that that scans your PC for the photos, the documents, the game saves, the videos. Uh, but eventually we do want to branch out. All right. Um, how do you How do you feel about, 3D with with gaming and do you see it as a as something viable with Gamebox? You know, you got the 3DS out there and you got 3D TVs. Do you feel that that especially with your platform has a place or is that something that's still kind of in the in the testing phase where you guys may just, you know, dip a, a toe in the pool for the moment? Uh that's a great question. Uh we plan to have 3D motion for the Evo 2 system. Uh that's going to be part of where you can touch the internet. Literally, so that's going to be part of that experience when we say we want you to literally touch and feel the Internet. So 3D will play a big part in that big feature that we want to introduce, uh, hopefully, in 2012. Um, I, with, you know, just to elaborate on that a little further, are you guys looking at 3D from, uh, you know, I got to sit in front of my TV with glasses, or are you looking for a more passive style of 3D along the lines of something like the 3DS? Because obviously you know that requiring glasses is just something that may prove cumbersome to some customers unless you guys plan on including your own glasses, whether it's, you know, the the glasses you get at the theater or if you go with a, a glassless 3D. I'd rather go glasses 3D because I cannot stand those glasses on my eyes watching TV in the living room. <laughs> so right. we most definitely want to go without the glasses and make our users as comfortable as possible. Hey, that works for me, man. I'm I'm going to definitely be keeping an eye on this, and, you know, we'll definitely be, be keeping in touch. But um, 
before I let you go, of course, I wanted to ask if, if there's anybody, you know, you wanted to thank or anybody you wanted to acknowledge. Sure. Uh, I want to thank uh, 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 your show for giving us this opportunity to come on tonight and, and have a platform to speak because I think a lot of people don't have the insight uh, about us and about our company and what we do, the struggles, uh, the support that we want to get from the gaming community. If we can get the support from the gaming community, it'll be amazing what we can do with the visions and things that we want to do. Um, I want to thank my team, uh, everybody uh, from my partners and our suppliers. They, ha they have been helpful. Uh, they really want us to make this happen, and, you know, I want to make it happen. You know, thank God and everybody, the, the blessings, my family, because, like I said, uh, a lot of people don't realize what it takes to sacrifice from your family, your friends, and just everybody around you trying to make something like this happen. It is so tremendous and time-consuming, but you feel that you have an obligation as a gamer and as a company, as a business, to deliver the best possible product, regardless of your resources or whatever, that you can give to your customers. Because your customers, without them, you are nothing. So I just, I just want to make sure that everybody in the community know that we appreciate, you know, the support 100%. Well, like I said, you know, I, I, I wanted to talk to you just because, you know, just, just building my own brand, I know how much work goes into it. And you guys were, were very open and, and you have, you know, just honest and forthright with what you guys wanted to do with your console. Uh, the other thing I wanted to make sure you guys put out there, besides um, Envisions Inc. and GameBoxit.com, how can the listeners, you know, keep up with you guys on your social networking sites, you know, whether it be Facebook or Twitter, you know, uh, just wanted to get that information out there as well. Sure. Uh, they can follow us on Facebook uh, under the uh, I Am Game Box. Uh, they can follow us at D-E-R Samuels from Twitter or I Am Evo 2 for Twitter. Uh, they can follow us, information on Queep.com. That's our social network uh, where it, it does, you get rewards and points for sharing or blogging through Twitter and Facebook's, Facebook. So, uh, they got our Envisions website uh, to get news and updates. And uh, most of our updates really right now come through Twitter because a lot of people think we're doing marketing right now. Really, we're just trying to get some the general information out. We haven't really started a marketing campaign yet because we want to make sure once we get the system locked down, you know, we can have a dedicated day and say, okay, now we're going to do marketing. So any of those social tools right there, they can reach out to us and can stay up to date. I'm always tweeting about, you know, updates and things. Uh, so Twitter, Facebook. Uh, those are the best locations to keep up with Evo and, and our progress. Or, like I said, you know, the One Million Dreams campaign in any one of those locations. Well, uh, Derek, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this system. Um, you know, you've been you've been a pleasure to speak to, and not only that, but you know, whatever support we can lend you, whether you know helping you promote the console or you know, writing it up or putting information out. We'd love to assist. Like I said, I really like what you guys are doing with the One Million Dreams campaign, and I like the direction this is going. And, you know, as a young company on the come up, you you, you know, I tip my hat to you guys. So, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to, to share your vision with us as well. We I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. All right, Derek. Um, I'll email you, and we'll definitely stay in sure. touch. But, but again, sure. thanks for coming on, and um, take care of yourself, man, and have a happy fourth. You too. Thanks for having me. All right, man. All right, that was Derek Samuels from Envisions, Inc. Uh, they will be putting out the Evo 2 console this hopefully this holiday season. All the links for that will be on our 
MTR Rewind post later on this evening or possibly tomorrow. In addition to that, I put some of the links that he spoke about in our chat so you guys can check it out there. Uh, definitely super stoked to check this console out only because it's going to be interesting to see how Android translates into a uh, a home environment. I mean, on the tabloid, uh, on the tabloid, on the tablet and on the phone, we, we already know what Android is capable of, but bringing it into the home space and seeing, you know, some of the games you, we, we already play like Angry Birds and Words with Friends, uh, just that casual market getting another outlet besides the, you know, the three major consoles out there. It's, it's refreshing to see. So I just, you know, want to thank Derek for coming on and I will keep you guys posted with the Evo 2 and of course Envision's campaign as well. So definitely uh, be on the lookout for the MTR Rewind. And with that, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back, wrap up MMA. I'm going to try and get into some wrestling because there's a couple of things I want to discuss. And uh, movies and games. We'll be right back. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> Well, you won't listen to that on our show, because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. All right, the last bit of MMA news I wanted to talk about um, involves Strikeforce. Uh, Strikeforce heavyweight Brett Rogers, who fought and at the Strikeforce heavyweight Grand Prix uh, last, I believe it was last weekend, was arrested for third-degree assault today. Uh, the charges stem from an altercation he had with his wife. His wife was reportedly strangled, punched repeatedly in the head and face, and lost a tooth in the struggle. Rogers was officially charged with assault in the third degree, domestic assault by strangulation, and a pattern of stalking conduct, all of which are felony charges. He was also charged with the endangerment of a child uh, and also a gross misdemeanor. Lastly, according to reports, Rogers' wife blacked out from being choked, suffered a golf-sized wound on her face among smaller wounds. The couple's daughter had tried to intervene after she saw Rogers strike her mother, Rogers admitted to drinking before the argument broke out and claims his wife hit him first and he returned with force. His bail has been set at $100,000 and Rogers will be returning to court Friday at 11 a.m. Now, obviously, this could have all been avoided if Rogers' wife would have shot in for the double leg since Rogers has terrible wrestling defense. I know, I know I shouldn't have used that joke, but let me tell you something. Brett Rogers is a big fucking dude, and for him to even put his hands on his wife boggles my mind, number one. Number two, you know that being a mixed martial artist, this hurts the sport. If you're drinking, take your ass out or take your ass to sleep. Don't put your hands on your wife, but it gets better. Dana White at the UFC 132 press conference announced that Brett Rogers had been released from his contract which obviously we knew was going to happen. Um, with that, he leaves the Strikeforce organization with a 2-3 and three record, having lost his last three outings for the promotion. Not only that, but I think that he has 
killed his MMA career here in the United States because no organization is going to have uh, a wife beater on their roster. What happens to Brett after this remains to be seen, but he really had a great story, you know, just just coming from humble beginnings, you know, changing tires at a, uh, you know, at a Costco, I believe it was, or a BJ's, and embracing mixed martial arts and using it as a platform to advance and, and grow as a person, and then he turns around and, you know, puts the, the, the beating to his wife. Not the way to go. Definitely don't condone that shit. I honestly think that that's a real cowardly move, especially because he's such a big dude. You know, if you really wanted to beat somebody's ass, why didn't you beat Josh Barnett's ass when you were fighting in the heavyweight Grand Prix? Oh, yeah, because you got choked unconscious. I really I really frown upon this because I, I liked Brett Rogers. I felt he presented himself well in the Strike Force organization, and the guy done fucked up. So, um, yeah, Brett Rogers, we wish you the best in your future endeavors. With that said, the last bit of MMA news is that Dana White was saying that the UFC will be returning to Japan. He did not give a specific date, but he did say it would be happening this year. The last time the UFC was in Japan was for UFC 29. So definitely going to be really pumped to see the UFC in Japan. The only thing I would really like to see would be them do their UFC event with pride rules in Japan. It would only be fitting. I think that allowing yellow cards and, you know, knees to the knees on the ground would would be a, a great testament to just the, the loyalty to pride fans. And I think the Japanese would love to see that as well. I, I really hope they go in that direction because that's what the Japanese are used to are used to. And it would just be awesome to see the Pride banner one last time, even if it's under the Zufa umbrella with Pride rules. And I think guys like Vandalay and Shogun, Rampage, all those guys would fight in Japan at a moment's notice just for the fact that Japan has given them so much and helped them in their careers. So super pumped for that. Much props to the UFC for going into the global expansion with their upcoming pay-per-view in Brazil, and now rumors of them going to Japan. A very exciting time for MMA, and uh, very exciting times for UFC fans as well. I'm going to take another commercial break. When we get back, we are going to go through some wrestling right after this. I wonder what's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you say This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So Jason, uh, what, what I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know, Jason? Jason, are you there? The World Wrestling Federation, for over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. All right. Before getting into some of the smaller wrestling news for this week, I want to talk about Monday Night Raw. I'm not going to go through a recap of the the complete show, obviously, for a ton of reasons. But I will talk about the big story that happened, and that involved, of course, my favorite straight-edge superstar, CM Punk, who took to the mic and proceeded to cut what I felt was a legendary, legendary fucking promo. I felt that not only was it a promo that solidified CM Punk as one of the best wrestlers on the mic today, but also solidified the fact that many he voiced the opinions of so many wrestlers 
in the WWE and outside of it, that it was just something that was just so, so awesome to see and so great to experience that I was dumbfounded after I watched it. I was like, what the fuck, man? He just bludgeoned WWE and the way that it was done was, was really, was really well done and, and very well written. And whether CM Punk leaves or not after this pay-per-view, I think that that was his Austin 316 moment. I felt that that promo was, was, was so to the point and, and so well, well spoken and so well done that I don't think there's going to be a promo within the next three months that can top it. And I actually don't have the audio clip because I couldn't find a, a one that's solid, that sounded good and was solid, but I will go into a bit of the promo. Um, CM Punk approached the, the stage after the main event with John Cena and R-Truth, and he started his promo saying the following, you know, that he doesn't hate Cena. He even likes him more than most people in the back. He stated, Cena isn't the best, though, at least not in the ring. Punk says that Cena is the only is only the best at kissing up to Cena. He's even better than Hulk Hogan. Was he the best though? No, he goes um well he said that he that Cena was the best was was better than Hogan. He also went on to say that Cena was not as good as The Rock though he is close. But he did go on to say that he's the best wrestler there is and has been since day 1 when Paul Heyman saw something in him. He went on to say a statement that I've seen on Twitter for the last week that he's a Heyman guy, just like Brock Lesnar was, and he left too. There are some na- Those are some names you never hear anymore. Now, before I, I continue going on into his promo, him acknowledging the fact that John Cena parallels Hulk Hogan is something I've discussed on this show time and time again. It, it, it's, it's, it's very fitting. Not only that, but acknowledging that Cena is good, but not better than The Rock, but he's close, is something that everybody has said time and time again. The Rock is in a league of his own, but Cena's close depending on which Cena we get. If we get saluting Captain America Cena or we get freestyling thug John Cena, it it depends. I felt that the Doctor of Thugonomics persona, the rapping persona, was, was, was better only because it was edgy, for its time, and it could have definitely gone a lot farther than I'm going to come out and salute and wear, you know, a red shirt and a purple shirt and look like a complete fucking jackass. But hey, uh, John Cena has always been consistent, and love him or hate him, he is entertaining. So I got to give Punk that. Acknowledging Paul Heyman, big, big shocker on my part. Paul Heyman, like I've always said, is a visionary. He sees the good in every wrestler, he capitalizes on their strengths, and he made sure to help CM Punk get to that stage, much like he did with Brock Lesnar. Very impressed with that. He also went on to say that he's tired of not being on souvenir cups or on the front of programs or in movies or on a show on the USA Network or on Conan or on Jimmy Fallon. He's not even the opening video of WWE shows. At this point, fans are cheering, and he says that's a big problem with him leaving because they're sipping out of the cups he's not on. He said he's winning the title and might defend it in New Japan or in Ring of Honor, at which point he made sure to give a shout-out to Colt Cabana. He said Vince McMahon is a millionaire and not a billionaire because of the idiots he surrounds himself with. Punk says that the company might be better off when Vince is dead because then the company is going to to go to his idiot daughter and worthless son-in-law. He did say that. 
And he wanted to go into a personal story about the bullying campaign, but his mic was cut off and the credits rolled for WWE Raw. At that point, CM Punk, it was announced that he was suspended and um, things are definitely going to change. And I know DeSilva is referencing that, but um, Raw was taped and there are spoilers out there. I'm not going to go into them because it's not going to be fair to those of you that would like to enjoy it without spoilers. But I will say that CM Punk's promo was a turning point. It really voiced the opinions not only of the industry, uh, but also of the fans that feel that the WWE product isn't where it should be with the talent that is involved. And it is true, CM Punk, you don't see him on the souvenir cups. You don't see him get him. How the fuck is CM Punk playing second banana to a guy like The Miz? You know what I mean? The Miz is, is on Conan, he's on Fallon, he's all over the place. How is CM Punk playing second banana to a guy like Sin Cara, Daniel Bryan, John Morrison? CM Punk came in through ECW. He was an ECW champion. He was involved in some of the best matches to date. He won two money in the banks. But yet, this is a guy that's still not acknowledged as a top superstar. I can understand his frustration, and I respect that he went out there, and whether that promo was completely approved or not approved, I felt that those feelings are the feelings of the wrestling community, whether it's fans or superstars. And again, I commend him for coming out there and cutting that promo, and whether he leaves or not after the pay-per-view, I, I will remain a CM Punk fan. I followed his career from Ring of Honor all the way to TNA, all the, to ECW, to WWE, uh, I've been a CM Punk fan for a long time. His matches with Samoa Joe, uh, Christopher Daniels. I, I can go down the list of who's who of guys that CM Punk has wrestled. And he's always been a guy that stands out from everybody else. And what he does after his WWE departure remains to be seen. But I'm sure that Ring of Honor would welcome him back with open arms. He can probably go to Japan and make a killing. He may even go to TNA, which I doubt because TNA is still kind of in that period where they're still trying to figure out that wrestling matters. Uh, they're well on their way. I think that Sting pretending to be the jo uh, the Heath Ledger Joker from Batman is an interesting spin on things, but that's a story for another day. With that said, that's going to wrap up my, my thoughts on Monday Night Raw. I do want to go into some stuff that was uh, very surprising. First off, a release that caught me completely off guard from WWE was the release of Chavo Guerrero. And um, a couple of reasons why I was shocked with that is because Chavo Guerrero is a consistently solid wrestler. He could probably go out there and wrestle a bag of wet dog shit and have a three or four star match. And to see him get released was a surprise to, to, to be sure. But he did take to his Twitter account and clarify uh, the details regarding his release. And it was as follows. He said, yes, it's true. My release is the big news I was talking about, but let's get something straight. I asked for my release. I was just tired of not being used correctly. Gee, that sounds familiar. Just because you can make other people look good doesn't mean they should just have you lose to them, which I'm assuming he meant with the Sin Cara situation. He said the same thing happened to Eddie. After being champ, they still had him working mid-card status. That is true. Being a Guerrero, we've been taught since diapers to get the most out of people and matches. It's our gift, but also our, our curse. WWE has always used us to make other people look good. It all comes down to being happy. I was not happy in WWE anymore. I had a smile on my face last night, though, when I got my release. Now it's time for me to start being a Guerrero again, start kicking ass again, 
being able to tell stories in the ring like you know we can. Win or lose, I will never go back to the place WWE put me in. I will never go back to being underutilized and watching people who suck get bigger pushes than me. Wow. Thank you to all of you who stuck by me and kept reminding me I was better than that. Stay tuned. Big things are coming. Now I will really be able to entertain you. Like me or hate me, one thing I have always tried to do is entertain you and give you fans your money's worth. Even if my hands were tied most of the time, I love you all and can't wait for the future. So happy. Again, uh, Chavo Guerrero, very talented. It's it's sad to see um, a, you know, a Guerrero that had so much potential do be underutilized. I mean, he uh, matches with Rey Mysterio, Sin Cara. You could have done a program with Daniel Bryan. You could have done something with CM Punk. I just always felt that they, they looked at Chavo Guerrero as, as Eddie Guerrero light and tried to book him as such. And when they really couldn't figure out a way to book him, they'd put him in the stupid comedy shit. Or worse comes to worse, they'd throw him with Vicky Guerrero to get heat off of her. But I think that Chavo Guerrero's wrestling speaks for itself. And I think any organization that gets him will be getting a very talented wrestler that will hopefully continue to bring uh, you know, a shining light onto the Guerrero name. And Chavo was one of those guys that he went out there and he delivered good matches wherever he went. Unfortunately, he was underutilized, and he got tired of the bullshit. Sounds like CM Punk and a couple of other wrestlers that are out there. In some Jeff Hardy news, which I haven't talked about in a couple of weeks, the criminal case for him could be finished this week. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't finished. They did put the trial off again. Um, it's been said that they want him to do rehab and do that instead of jail. But we'll find out sooner rather than later. It also seems that there are rumors that TNA wants him to do the rehab. I think Jeff Hardy at this stage in, in, of his career has still a lot, of, a lot to offer the wrestling business. I just hope that he gets himself cleaned up because he does have a baby. And too many of these guys die young. And, you know, it sucks waking up and turning on your computer and looking at a website and, and seeing his name with, with, a, with an RIP in front of it. It's it's something that no, you know, no, no child should experience, no wife should experience, and if he has the tools to fucking clean himself up, he really should. Last bit of wrestling news I wanted to go into was Linda Hogan appearing on the Today Show to promote her new book. Uh, Linda is uh, an interesting character. She talks about you know a lot of drug use with Hogan. Uh, she said that Hogan was violent with her which Hogan's a fucking vegetable. I don't think that Hogan's going around whooping her ass. Lastly, I got to acknowledge something which I did not like, and that was something that she said regarding Nick Hogan, which, of course, the accident with Nick maimed his friend John Graziano and pretty much made him a vegetable. She said that she felt Hogan's knows, Hogan knows best painted Nick out to be worse than he was to the judge. She said he was a nice boy and um, that he didn't deserve the sentence he got. Matt Lauer did say that he only serves five months, which seems to be the opposite. I think that the fact that she would sit there and try and print and paint the pretty picture when her son pretty much crippled the guy shows how out of touch she truly is. Um, this is somebody who's become successful based on Hulk Hogan's wrestling career. The guy's pretty, pretty much a fucking cripple and now works to give her child support for her 20 year old boyfriend. It's a little fucked up. And she also took the opportunity to compare her situation with Hulk Hogan to Nicole Brown Simpson, which I also found to be very stupid because if 
you know, Nicole Brown Simpson and 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 o, and the OJ case was something totally different than her trying to get Hogan for his money. Really fucked up. I found it very unfortunate that she would go that route, but it's Linda Hogan, so nothing else surprises me. Last but not least, Randy Orton is in the news this week because of a couple of disparaging remarks he said in an interview. He said that he um, overdosed on some drugs five years ago, and his wife had to call 911, which saved his life, and that's actually going to be discussed on the DVD. He also talked about Kelly Kelly and said that she likes to sleep around, which was a little fucked up. Um, and of course, after he said that, I'm sure he got into some trouble because he apologized on Twitter this week. He also feels that John Cena is one of the best on the mic, and he says that he is better than The Rock. But one thing he did say was that Cena was not a great in-ring worker, but that he was great at promos. He also acknowledged that some of the actresses that played his wife were fucking terrible as well. Lastly, he gave a little insight into the concussions he suffered, including the one he suffered in Spain a few weeks ago. He said that a lot of people in WWE management were concerned about it because he has had six concussions to date. I think Randy Orton is a honestly very entertaining from a character standpoint, but his promo skills are fucking abysmal. His monotone delivery that he is the Viper is complete bullshit. So, I mean, it's great that he's being so open about his career, but going and saying a couple of negative things about divas and certain wrestlers, I don't know if that did him any favors. And lastly, to wrap up the wrestling segment, Cole Cabana, of course, after his shout-out on WWE Raw, was interviewed in the Miami Herald regarding CM Punk, and he shared a couple of comments regarding CM, Punk, CM Punk's uh, feelings towards the WWE and why he's leaving. He stated the following, From being laughed at by the trainers in OVW to Paul Heyman finally bringing him up and everybody treating him like dirt, telling him he has an attitude problem and calling him the, the king of the indies. Just looking down on him, he felt shunned his whole time that he was there. It was a complete struggle. Cole Cabana went on to say that the, the power of him not really caring because he was ready to leave, the power of not giving a shit is so important. He really is at the point where he just wants to get out of there. It's too frustrating for him. If he said anything that made anybody mad, what are they going to do? Not resign him? He doesn't want to be there. He said the following. So I think the idea is so powerful. He is so strong in his beliefs with his straight edge lifestyle. By being how strong-headed that he is, he was able to have the power to go out on television and say what probably every wrestler has wanted to say. Very true. He made unbelievable television. Damn right. He made unbelievable history in wrestling as well. He almost has the ability to change professional wrestling as we know it. Wrestling has been so stagnant and vanilla. It kind of shook up the wrestling world because of his real-life frustrations. Cole Cabana is a thousand percent correct, and you know, in elaborating on that, it really did give, uh, it did paint a picture of why CM Punk needs to leave the WWE. I think he may come back at some point, but he may just be burned out and tired of the bullshit. Last but not least, so uh, Pinellas County medical examiners have confirmed that Rag that Macho Man Randy Savage's death was caused by a cardiac event he suffered moments before wrecking his vehicle. Savage suffered from a cardiovascular disease, and the cardiac event was a result of the condition. According to a toxicology report, Savage tested positive for alcohol, but it was not listed to be above the legal limit. He also had the opiate hydrocodone in his system during the time of death, but the 
medical examiner did note that this did not play a role in his death. So, Randy Savage passed away from a cardiac event. With that, I'm going to take another commercial break. When we get back, we're going to talk some video games right after this. The following advertisement is for BornStubbornRadio.com. BornStubbornRadio. We like news, we like current events, but we like the fucked up news and the fucked up current events. Born Southern Radio, we talk about everything in entertainment. We talk about movies. We talk about music. Mostly heavy stuff. Have good mosh pitting. And because we're big fucking nerds, we talk about video games. Woo! We're big fucking nerds. We love video games. Fuck's sake, man. Rich loves the show. Yeah. Hey, Rich, you like the show, don't you? Yeah, man. Are you sure you like the show? <laughs> yeah, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop the music. Isn't Born Stubborn Radio one of your favorite podcasts? Yeah, man. Awesome. Okay, hold on a second. But I was just curious. I'm thinking about coming to New York. Awesome. You live in New York, right? Yeah. You think maybe I could uh, crash on your couch? Uh, in the predominantly Asian neighborhoods, there's like fucking 20 of them shit. Um, Rich, I love you, but I don't know what the fuck you just said. In the Asian neighborhoods, there's like fucking 20 of them shit. Exactly. Okay, I, I don't know what Rich is thinking, but BornStepInRadio.com is where you should be going right now. Here you get it! Have good mosh pitting! <laughs> Alright, let's talk some video games. Sony Computer Entertainment is raping collected box sets of some of their marquee titles. It's already happened with the God of War series, and it's going to be happening with Uncharted Drake's Fortune and Uncharted Among Thieves. They will be released in a two-pack July 22nd, according to uh, SEA, well, Sony Computer Entertainment of Europe. In addition to that, Sony Europe confirmed that there will be a Resistance dual-pack containing Resistance Fall of Man and Resistance 2 that will be released the same day. In addition to that, you'll be getting a Ratchet & Clank double bill with um, a crack in time and Tools of Destruction. Nice way to get people to buy these games, you know, for first-timers, and they'll be able to get both titles. I mean, I applaud them for doing it. I'm For those of us that played Uncharted and Uncharted Among Thieves, we're not going to give a shit, but I'm sure that there's a lot of new console owners that never had the opportunity to check these games out and getting them for a, a decent price is you know, it's a step in the right direction but this consistent double dipping is going to get old very fast now one thing i really wanted to talk about this week especially with regards to video games is something i've talked about in previous episodes and that is the fact that government officials go out of their way to blame gaming companies and retailers for young children getting access to violent video games. Needless to say, the Supreme Court has taken issue with that after a case called Brown versus the Entertainment Merchants Association. Um, that The ruling on that case upheld the California law of banning the sale of violent video games to, min to minors as, well, actually, it upheld that that, um, that case was unconstitutional. The majority opinion of the seven judges is the following. 
like protected books, plays, and movies that preceded them. Video games, video games communicate ideas and even social messages through many familiar literary devices, such as characters, dialogue, plot, and music, and through features distinctive to the medium, such as the player's interaction with the virtual world. That suffices to confer First Amendment protection. Under our Constitution, aesthetic and moral judgments about art and literature are for the individual to make, not for the government to decree, even with the mandate or approval of a majority. Once this ruling goes along with the once this decision goes along with the ruling of lower courts that also ruled that law unconstitutional, including the Northern District Court of California and the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, before I go into this a little further, basically, California wanted to pass a law banning the sale of violent video games in the state. Now, the funny thing about that is that introducing a law to hide the inadequacies of parents is a completely bullshit fucking move. The fact of the matter is this, and, I, and I've said it before, and I've said it on numerous episodes, and it is old hat, but I'm going to tell it like I've always told it. If you are a parent and you are not actively watching what your children uh, play, what websites they go to, what TV shows they watch, then you fucking suck as a parent. Period. TV shows, music, movies, the internet were not put in place to raise your children. They were put in place as forms of entertainment. As such, you cannot regulate forms of entertainment that way. It is fucking stupid. And as such, seeing, seeing this law get shot down was, put a huge smile on my face because it showed that parents can be stupid motherfuckers that don't acknowledge the fact that their kids need to be monitored. Stop letting your kids get raised by Snooki and the cast of the Jersey Shore. Stop letting your kids spend 16 hours on Facebook. Stop letting your kids put pictures of their boobs on chat roulette. Take some accountability for what your children do. And that way, you don't have to waste taxpayer dollars trying to get stupid shit like this passed. It, it's, it's an embarrassment that the state of California and its residents paid taxes to have a court proceeding banning the sale of fucking video games. We have crime. We have a shitty economy. Hell, California doesn't even have any fucking money. But no, we're going to invest every ounce of our energy into taking this to the Supreme Court to ban the sale of violent video games. Are you, are you serious? Ba violent video games takes precedence over terrorism. It takes precedence over your cops not having money. It takes precedence over your, your state being in a financial state of fucking ruin. It, it's an embarrassment to actually see that go that far. Before I, I continue on my fucking rant, I'll give you guys a little bit more about this. Um, Justice Thomas and Breyer stated the following, The practices and beliefs of the founding generation establish the freedom of speech as originally understood does not include a right to speak to minors or a right of minors to access speech without going through the minors, parents, or guardians. I would hold that the law at issue is not fashionably unconstitutional under the First Amendment, and reverse and remand for further proceedings. Now, here's the, here's the funny thing about that. Freedom of speech, when you look at it, is the freedom to say whatever you want. 
that's how that's how it's always been. One of one of the beauties uh, of the uh, of the U.S. and of being an American citizen is the right to share your views freely without fear of persecution. It, it's what allows me to come on air and say that the people that wanted to get this law passed are complete fucking cock monkeys. It's the, it's the same group of people that say that parents that don't monitor their kids are fucking stupid bastards. You know, the First Amendment lets me do shit like that, and as such, video game companies and video game creators and developers are putting this out as a freedom of speech expression, period. They put out these games, and we as the public have the right to censor them as we see fit. What, and with that, I mean that if your kid wants to play GTA and it's a little too violent, then you tell your kid, look, you're a little too young. This isn't a game you need to play. Uh, you know, wait a couple of years or pick another game. That's the amount of censoring that we as adults that have children should be doing. It shouldn't be in the hands of the United States government to censor what our children see. As I've always said, I have two sisters. Both of them are developmentally disabled. Even though they are developmentally disabled, their minds are fertile. In other words, whatever they see, they assimilate quickly. Whether it's uh, a rap video on BET or the lyrics to a song that are suggestive, they do repeat and they do memorize this stuff at the drop of a hat. My sister, my, my youngest sister, Erica, she has trouble reading. But she can sing you every verse to all the single ladies at the drop of a hat. Now, like with anything else, I monitor what she listens to, what she watches, and I make sure that she has only access to stuff that's, you know, enriching to her environment. My older sister, Jessie, has autism. I make sure that, you know, she likes watching YouTube, whatever video game videos and cartoons she's watching are for, you know, her proper age group. Same thing applies with the games she plays. At, at, at the end of the day, I take accountability for the media that my sisters use. My, my mother took accountability for me, and I'm sure that any parents or, or you know, any colleagues of mine that have children do the same thing. We don't sit there and use the government as a scapegoat for our shortcomings. It's stupid, it's foolish, and it really is a fucking childish move. It's like breaking the cookie jar and blaming your brother for doing it. You know, your kid is fucked up. But it's the but it's the retailer's fault and the developer's fault that your kids fucked up, not yours. <sighs> it's it, it's really crazy. Last bit of uh, news I wanted to share with this: the president and CEO of Enter of the Entertainment Software Association, Michael Gallagher, said that the ruling is a historic and complete win for the First Amendment and the creative freedom of artists and storytellers everywhere. He stated the following: Today, the Supreme Court affirmed what we have always known that free speech protections apply every bit as much to video games as they do to other forms of creative expression, like books, movies, and music. The court declared forcefully that content-based restrictions on games are unconstitutional and that parents, not government bureaucrats, have the right to decide what is appropriate for their children. That, ladies and gentlemen, deserves a slow fucking clap. Michael Gallagher from the ESA, I salute you. Because that's the that that is the perfect statement that sums it up. Leave it in the hands of the parents and not government bureaucrats.
I, like I said, I am ecstatic at reading that outcome. I'm, you know, I'm happy to see that video games are protected under the First Amendment because there are games that definitely push the limit. I mean, I've been playing Dante's Inferno where you have infants with blades for hands attacking you and you have to kill them. For the first five minutes, I wasn't sure if I really wanted to kill demonic babies. I actually spent the whole game absolving them of their sins, and then I realized that it was way too time-consuming and proceeded to chop them down with my giant death scythe. But again, would I let a 10-year-old child play that game? Absolutely the fuck not. Period. I'm not going to beat that up anymore. I'm just very happy to see that video games are acknowledged under the First Amendment and that California actually had some common sense in not passing that dumbass law. All right. In some other gaming news, we got some news about the Summer of Arcade that Major Nelson has announced. The promotion is going to be kicking off with Bastion on July 20th for 1,200 points, followed by From Dust, which is also going to be 1,200 points. On August 3rd, you're going to get Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet, which will set you back 1,200 points. And the first Connect Arcade game is going to be Fruit Ninja Connect, which drops August 10th for 800 points. Finally, Toy Soldiers Cold War is going to round things off with 1,200 points on August 17th. But... There's also a special deal that if you buy all five games, you'll get a free copy of Crimson Alliance, which releases September 7th. That game is going to let four, up to four players control an assassin, wizard, or mercenary as they try to stop the cult of the soul siren. So if you buy all five games, you'll get a free one, that being Crimson Alliance, which releases September 7th. Usually, the MPD numbers come later on in the month. I did want to talk about some data that the MPD released recently, which is regarding online and digital games. Uh, the MPD released a chart, which I had the pleasure of looking at earlier this afternoon on my lunch break, stating that the Xbox 360 is selling twice as many online-capable games than the PlayStation 3. Gee, that's very simple. It's this wonderful tool called Xbox Live that will help sell online-capable games. With that, sales have doubled on the PS3 side of things since 2008, but not enough to uh, catch up with the 360. The Wii, on the other hand, had half of the PS3's online sales and have since declined. The MPD also went on to say that digital gaming is gaming is gaining ground against core gamers in the amount of hours played per week, 16 for digital, 18 for core, and the amount of games purchased, 5.9 for digital in the last three months and 5.4 for core. The MPD also separated core gamers as very engaged across all systems, especially consoles, and have a higher use of Xbox 360 and PS3 than all other segments. This is what David Riley stated. And in some, in some ways, I, I do have to agree with that statement because I think that the, the quote-unquote core or hardcore gaming community um, applies more of their gaming energies towards console gaming only because you have such really great um, online components available. I think that that's one of the reasons why it's so successful. I think that if Xbox 360 decided to release a portable console that used Xbox Live the same way, I think portable gaming would also get a huge shot in the arm as well. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen. They also went on to say that digital gamers are engaged in a variety of gaming from PC to mobile, console to portable, online and offline, but they also have the highest number of digital games acquired. 
This is true. I do have to admit that I'm playing a lot more digital games, you know, Angry Birds, Words with Friends, and having the Android platform also helps because Amazon gives out a lot of free games. So, you know, you always end up picking up a lot of free games that you don't need, but you end up checking out and enjoying. I mean, one of the, one of the games I play the most is Plants vs. Zombies, which, which I enjoy, and that's... Um, you know, that's a that's a digital game. It's not like you can actually go buy that in the store. I mean, they've released it on disc for the Xbox 360, but that was a game that that had that its roots, you know, no pun intended, are in in the digital in the digital space. But it's going to be interesting to see how this trend moves forward with all these new consoles coming out and just the the willingness to embrace the the cloud medium and trying to make gaming more social. I think that Xbox 360 has a very strong uh, social aspect with regards to Xbox Live. PS3 does desperately need to catch up, but I think that other companies are starting to see what Xbox is doing, and they're starting to embrace it as well. I mean, Nintendo has gone on record as saying that they're not going to be doing friend codes anymore, and you're going to have a unified platform, much like Xbox Live. So I think it's just the start of of social gaming and digital gaming uh having having a stronger presence and not for nothing i'm I'm all for it i mean like i said gaming shouldn't just be relegated to consoles there's there's handheld gaming there's cell phone gaming and pc gaming as well whether it be uh hardcore titles or shit like angry birds it is what it is my friend it is what it is next up something which i never thought i would read world of warcraft is adopting a free-to-play model The newest update titled Rage of the Firelands, players will be able to play the game as long as they want. However, you'll be capped at level 20 until you get the full version. This mode is being called World of Warcraft Starter Edition and will include some content from the first expansion, including the ability to create uh, Draenei and Blood Elf characters. In the event you do decide to keep playing, there is a digital World of Warcraft battle chest that includes the original game and first expansion for $19.99 at the Blizzard Store. I think um I think at this point the you know World of Warcraft is is at such a huge level with with players that this is only going to help them gain a newer audience. I've I've never sat down and played World of Warcraft, but I'm actually contemplating checking it out just because it's free to play and I'll play for a little bit and if I don't like it, I keep it moving. But I think this is a a good medium for Blizzard, uh, actually a good direction, I should say, for Blizzard to go in. And like I said, it will allow a new group of players to check out World of Warcraft. And something that was a little bit of a shocker because it got leaked out accidentally, Sony was actually trying to get Limbo rated in Korea. And, of course, this led to speculation of Limbo finally being released on the PSN. Play Dead has confirmed that the game is coming to the PSN and Steam. Joystick confirmed that with the CEO and co-founder uh, Dino Patti and said that the game is in production for Steam and the PSN and is coming very soon. The game is being ported by Play Dead, who is also working on a new IP. And last but not least, you know Call of Duty has made it when it's getting its own event. Titled Call of Duty XP 2011, the two-day event is going to be taking place September 2nd and 3rd at a secure 12-acre compound in the urban confines of Los Angeles. I'm actually reading that exactly as it's quoted. Call of Duty XP is going to be the ultimate fan experience for Call of Duty fans. A two-day immersive live event for fans of Call of Duty, said um, Activision CEO Eric Hirschberg. 
We think it's going to set a new bar for ex- for experiment. Actually, ex- wow, experiential live fan based events. I think what he meant to say was that it's going to set a new bar for for live fan based events. But the way that was worded looked really odd. Uh, the event will feature a first look at Modern Warfare 3 multiplayer, which is going to include full feature functionality of the Elite Online service. But the kicker here is going to be a $1 million tournament sponsored by Activision and Xbox 360. Hirschberg said, we are constructing a full-scale replica of one of our multiplayer maps as a paintball stadium for fans. We're reconstructing the legendary level for Modern Warfare 2, The Pit, which fans can actually run on. You'll also be able to eat at Burger Town, also from the second Modern Warfare. Over 6,000 tickets are going to go on sale July 19th for $150. So, if you want an oper- if you think you got the balls to get Call of Duty and try and win a million dollars, then you're going to have to head to Los Angeles July and pick up a ticket or order a ticket July 19th for 150 bucks. I think that Call of Duty has reached that level where it's just you know, it's it's something common, which which is is shocking, only because Call of Duty, in my eyes, has always had such a niche fan base. But it's become so huge that it requires its own event. Hey, that's that's great for gaming, and the fact that there's a one million dollar tournament on the line is going to definitely get a lot of Call of Duty players out there for sure. So, uh, interesting times. Props to Activision, man, for creating a game that's gotten so popular that they could create their own event. If I were really good at Call of Duty shit, I'd take the trip out there for a million dollars. But I'm sure that some of the best of the best are going to be out there. And I've seen some dudes play Call of Duty online that are that are beasts. So um, that million dollar tournament is going to be insane. Of course, if I get any more details, I will share it with you guys. All right. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When I get back, we are going to talk some movies right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, the hottest place on the internet for wrestling and video games is, of course, WGS Radio. We got it all. News, reviews, interviews with some of the biggest stars in wrestling today, and yes, even... Oh my God! The leader of Team Cooch himself, Mick Dirty Fest. That's every Wednesday and Saturday night, 7 p.m. Central Time, and of course... For pay-per-views, two hours before every pay-per-view for wrestling. www.blogtalkradio.com slash WGS Radio. We'll see you there. Let's talk some movies because we got a lot to discuss and 45 minutes of show to go. First off, our buddy Dwayne Johnson, fresh off Fast Five and working on Fast Six, has announced that he is going to be in G.I. Joe 2. He announced that on his Twitter, which I saw, and it's pretty much, call the Pentagon, get me my big-ass gun, Rocks of Joe. uh, The Rock will be playing Roadblock in the upcoming G.I. Joe sequel, which I actually have some news for later on in the movie segment, which I'm sure is going to raise a couple of eyebrows, especially with some of the casting choices that are there. 
In a little bit of what the fuck movie news, which I'm sure a lot of you guys are going to enjoy, Seth Gordon is set to direct the remake of the 1983 film War Games. For those of you that are familiar with that film, of course, Matthew Broderick was involved in that film. He played a a computer genius who hacked into the government and thinking it was all a game, accidentally initiates a computerized countdown to a nuclear weapons launch. Seth Gordon worked on the documentary A King of Kong and also the comedy Four Christmases, the next film that he's working on, which should be released soon, is Horrible Bosses. So, you know, once again, I continue to say that the create the lack of creativity in Hollywood just knows no limits. War Games was what I'd like to say. Uh, it was it was a passable film. I watched it a couple of times growing up. I think I watched it once when I was a little older, and I didn't think it was that great. But it's it's good enough to deserve a remake. So Seth Gordon is going to be your dude to bring that to the silver screen. I, I guarantee you they're going to go with something you know more up-to-date than just being a young computer genius. Maybe it'll be a, a kid using an Xbox Live, or because, of course, there's going to be some sort of hokey product placement in there that will um, water down the film and make it even more shitty. As I said at the start of the movie segment, Fast 6 was announced. The Rock is involved. Deadline is reporting that the film's release date will be May 24th, 2013. That's going to be the third movie that's going to be released in May alongside The Dark Tower and Iron Man 3 as well. In some Superman casting news, I haven't talked about Superman in, I'd say, what, two episodes? Christopher Maloney is up for a major part in Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. Deadline reports that Maloney is leaving Law & Order SVU and is in negotiations for an undisclosed role in the film. Rumors are saying that he was going to be playing Lex Luthor. Uh, Maloney actually said in a statement in an interview that he gave that he would be playing a general. Who knows if that's misinformation? I really don't see Maloney playing Lex Luthor. I could see him maybe playing a character like Metallo, but you never know. I think Maloney's a solid actor. His work on Oz... Um, was was ridiculous. He was a, a psychopath on that show. And his work on SVU has always been quality as well. You know, who knows? Maybe casting an unknown as Lex Luthor may may give us a different dimension into the character, but who's to say he's even playing him? That's something I'm going to have to keep an eye on, and I'll keep you guys informed, hopefully within the next few weeks. Now, something I don't do often with the movie segment is venture into TV news, but there are two bits of TV news that got my attention, which I'm sure a lot of you guys are going to be interested in. Uh, First bit of TV news is going to involve The Office. Um, I personally do not watch The Office. My wife watches it, and I know a lot of people that uh, reference The Office on a day-to-day basis. But one of the big mysteries has been now that... um, What the hell is his name? Fuck. This jackass. uh, Steve Carell. Now that Steve Carell has departed the role from from the office, they were everybody's been wondering who's going to be the in charge for the coming season. So far, Kathy Bates has been involved with it, but it is rumored that she is going to be replaced by James Spader. Spader doesn't have a deal yet, but his character, which has appeared before Robert California, which is sounds like the name of a porn star, is going to be introduced as the replacement for Michael Scott. And um may be promoted to CEO, at which point that's going to leave the position open with uh, um, a possible replacement for um, Steve Carell's character. 
Some of the rumored replacements are Will Farrell, Ricky Gervais, Will Arnett, Ed Helms, Craig Robinson, or Rain Wilson. I think that one of the the strongest points of the office was Steve Carell. I mean, that's one of the one of the guys whose lines I always hear quoted the most. I think that James Spader, in my eyes, doesn't really seem like a comedic actor. He seems more of a guy that's good for dramas and also good for thrillers. But I just don't feel he has the comedic chops to, to carry that role, especially on a weekly television series. If anything, I would find a way to give the role to Ricky Gervais. I mean, Ricky Gervais on the, on the, on the English office was fantastic. Other than that, maybe just give the role to Rain Wilson since the second most popular character is Dwight. And um, it should definitely make for some interesting television having Dwight running the office. But I figured I'd share those news with you guys. Uh, I figured I'd share the news with you guys, and maybe some of you give a fuck, maybe not. But hey, I figured might as well share it because it needs to be told. Now in some box office totals. That was the shittiest segue ever, by the way. Um, It's a no-brainer that Cars number 2 was going to be number one at the box office this weekend, which it was. $68 million in its opening weekend. It outpaced industry estimates of $55 to $60 million. Um, it pulled in $16,525 average out of the 4,115 theaters it was in. It's also made $42.9 million overseas with a worldwide gross of $110 million. The film had a $200 million budget, which I'm sure it is going to meet. Now, don't expect cars to be number one. I'm telling you that right now. Opening strongly at number two was Bad Teacher. The R-rated comedy grossed $31 million in its opening weekend. Uh, That's the highest opening non-Shrek film featuring Diaz in a lead role since Cameron Diaz's Charlie's Angels Full Throttle in 2003. The film had a $19 million budget. Obviously, it surpassed that and is a profitable film, which I'm shocked. Green Lantern took a bit of a tumble, falling to number three with $18.4 million. That's a 66% drop. That's the second heaviest Second weekend dropped by a comic book film in 2011, topped only by Priest. The film has made $89.3 million domestically and $118 million worldwide on a $200 million budget. Super 8 dropped to number 4. Jim Carrey's Mr. Popper's Penguins was number 5. X-Men First Class was number 6. It's made a worldwide total of $317 million. The film had a $160 million budget. Definitely successful. The Hangover Part 2 continued to hang on in the number 7 spot, made $527 million worldwide on an $80 million budget. Bridesmaids dropped to number 8. It's made $146 million domestically and $168 million worldwide on a $32 million budget. Pirates of the Caribbean dropped from number 8 to number 9. And Midnight in Paris was number 10. The Woody Allen film has made $28.6 million domestically, and worldwide it's made 51.8. The film had a $30 million budget. Obviously, it is successful. With that huge 66% tumble that Green Lantern have had, it makes you wonder if they're going to do a sequel. Well, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Warner Brothers will proceed with a sequel Um, They do believe in the franchise and feel that the studio, although somewhat disappointed, know that there is always a big drop with comic book films. So 
take that for what it's worth. You're going to see a second Green Lantern movie. I actually enjoyed it. Um, a sequel would be interesting, especially with the ending that we got, which I'm not going to spoil for you guys, but I have no problem with it. I just think that coming out with cars, Transformers, Captain America was not doing it any favors. In some other sequel news, Tom Hanks spoke on the BBC network uh, while promoting Larry Crown about the possibility of a Toy Story 4. Here's what he had to say. He said, yeah, I think there will be one. I actually think that they're working on it now. So with that said, we got a Cars 2 and now a Toy Story 4. Will it be as good as the previous three? Only time will tell. But I can tell you that if it's as shitty as Cars, as Cars 2 is, based on what people have told me, it'll be a really sad way to, to, to close out that franchise. I think that the Toy Story trilogy was perfect from start to finish and should just be left alone. Now, as I said earlier, I had some other G.I. Joe movie news for you guys. The Hollywood Reporter is saying that RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan and DJ Katrona will be joining Channing Tatum, Ray Park, and The Rock in the upcoming sequel to G.I. Joe. RZA, get this, is expected to play the Blind Master, who is the trainer for both Snake Eyes and Jinx. DJ Katrona is expected to play uh, Dashiell Fairborn, a.k.a. Flint. So they're going to actually start bringing in some of the other Joes that we know, being that being Flint. Um, not sure how I feel about RZA playing the Blind Master, but who knows? RZA is always a, a guy who, who I always kind of talk badly about in, in, in any of the supporting roles he does. And then he surprises me and he's always really solid. I mean, you know, his, um, his involvement with, with certain movies I've seen were really good. The one that I really want to talk about was the one with, um, ah, shit, with Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe. And I'm trying to remember uh, American gangster. There you go. Uh, Rizzo was solid in that. So, I mean, of course, you're going to raise an eyebrow with him playing the blind master, but I'm not going to fucking shit on it until I see uh, until I see the second G.I. Joe movie in its entirety. In some other sequel news, I told you guys that they were doing a prequel to the 300 originally titled Xerxes, of course, telling the origin of Xerxes character. Now the film will be titled 300 Battle at Artemisia. Um, it's not going to Zack Snyder is not going to be involved in it. It's actually going to be. Uh, Noam Monroe and uh, Jean Collette Serra are going to be under consideration to direct the film. The movie is going to be based on the upcoming 300 comic book from Frank Miller, and it's going to tell the stories, the story of Xerxes' rise to power. But it's also going to take place 10 years before the 300, and of course, in doing that, the prequel will offer an opportunity for Gerard Butler to reprise his role as Leonidas. So, there you go. We got sequels and we got prequels. The other bit of TV news I wanted to share for you, with you guys is, you know, much like the Voltron animated series that we discussed uh, two weeks back, the new Thundercats series will be launching July 29th on the Cartoon Network at 8 p.m. It's going to be an hour-long premiere episode, so I figured I'd share that with you guys, and hopefully we can actually get some of the creative team from Thundercats to stop by MTR and talk about their vision of my one of my favorite 80s cartoons. But I will keep you guys in the loop about that, and if it comes to fruition, I definitely would like to do it before the show premieres, it, uh, you know, towards the end of the month. 
Oh, we'll see what happens. And the other bit of TV news, which I actually had no idea was happening, is Guillermo del Toro is working on a Hulk TV series. He was actually asked about it in a recent interview. And when asked about it, he said, yeah, 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 we turned our outline. We turned in the outline to ABC of four weeks ago, and then we did a rewrite for ABC. And now we're lining up pages. He was asked if it's going to be a different Hulk than the Hulk we've seen before. He said, I think so, or we wouldn't be trying it. Actually, one of the points of this project early on with Marvel was, we're going to do this thing different, and here's how. Are you interested? And they were. Allegedly, the show is going to feature uh, Dr. Bruce Banner that's in his 20s and will make CGI with practical effects to depict the Hulk on screen. All I got to say is that if they don't play the sad Hulk music, I'm not watching it. That's all I got to say. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about involves Transformers, which I've mentioned a few times this evening, of course, with Slick's review and my review as well. But some interesting figures have come out, and that's that with regards to early box office openings for the Transformers films. When the first Transformers released on a Tuesday, it made $27.9 million in a day. Transformers Revenge of the Fallen had a Wednesday opening. It opened with $62 million. Transformers Dark of the Moon has opened with $37 million, higher than the first, but less than the second. It's made $42.5 million thus far, uh, $37 million on Wednesday, $42.5 thus far. They haven't given out any international numbers as of yet, but just comparing these uh these franchise totals, it's very interesting to see that the third one would open with such low numbers. I think one of the reasons was that people were concerned that it would be shitty or on par with the second one. Thus far, I've been hearing nothing but positive new feedback. Um, of course, the usual gripes are there, but the feedback has mostly been positive, and it's strange to see that it has such a lower opening than the second one, considering it's definitely uh, a li- uh, far better than the second Transformers. The last two bits of news I wanted to share with you guys was was something very strange regarding the film Bridesmaids. And that's uh, it actually reaching two box office milestones this weekend. The film is set to become the number one Judd Aptow comedy that he's ever made, which I'm shocked. And the other is that it's going to be the number one female-led comedy of all time. It's going to surpass Knocked Up and Sex in the City with this honor which I'm surprised only because I've heard Bridesmaids was funny, but it's basically hangover with a vagina. I I don't know how to take that, but it's interesting to see that that film actually reached those two milestones. I guess Judd Aptow, you know, the, the, the guy definitely has the golden touch. The film as of right now has $148.7 million domestically on a $32.5 million budget. So... Great news for Judd Aptow, and I'm sure we'll see a Bridesmaid sequel. And while we're at it, why don't we just have them appear in the next Hangover as well and just bring all that shit together. Last but not least, those of you that are fans of the Star series Camelot, I sure as fuck was not, will be sad to hear that Stars will not be renewing it. According to production challenges, Stars has decided not to exercise the option for subsequent seasons of Camelot. I actually felt that Camelot tried too hard to capture the magic of Spartacus and failed miserably. It was decently written, the lead that played King Arthur sucked, and 
Am I shocked that it's not being renewed? Not in the least. All right, folks, that's that actually wraps up the show for this week. A um, couple of things before I close things out. Remember to check out the MTR app on Android or iOS. It's $1.99. You can pick it up in the Android Marketplace or in the iTunes Store. If you have questions or concerns or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow the My Take Radio show account at My Take Radio. You can also follow my personal account, which is rich underscore MTR. Last but not least, if you're in the wasteland known as MySpace, which is now owned by Justin Timberlake, you can head over to myspace.com slash mytakeradio. And last but not least, hit up our Facebook fan page. We are well on our way to 1,200 fans, facebook.com slash mytakeradio. I would ask one small favor. If you guys are getting our shows from iTunes or are getting the apps from iTunes or the Android Marketplace, please take a second and review the app, um, whether a four-star review or whatever you want to do or uh, leave some commentary only because it helps us move up the rankings and helps secure better placement in the top listings on the, on both respective sites. Primarily on iTunes, I think that we have one of the one of the most solid entertainment podcasts in the game, and I really want to move up those rankings and get noticed. So please, if you are getting the show off of iTunes, take a minute, rate the show. We'd really appreciate it. Last but not least, stop by our forums, mytakeradio.com slash forums. Join in on some of the crazy conversation that's going on in there. Definitely want to take a moment and give a shout out to our female audience members. I see that um, doing some, some numbers, some running some numbers, I see that our demographic is about 86% male with a small percent of female listeners. Ladies, if you have any feedback on the show that would make it more appealing to you, by all means, please feel free to share your thoughts with us. We're always open to hearing, uh, you know, criticisms, good or bad, and want to make sure that we cover both demographics fairly and give you guys stuff we can enjoy. So, uh, ladies, if you have any concerns, by all means, please feel free to drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com, and we will try our best to give you guys more diverse content. That's going to wrap it up, folks. Be on the lookout for stuff on mytakeradio.com this week and, of course, our Facebook fan page. Oh, and before I forget, we're on Tumblr 2 MTR Extras uh, on Tumblr, so look for us there. That's going to wrap it up. I'll catch you guys next week. Hopefully, we'll be joined by Alchemist MMA. And just as a reminder, My Take Radio will be broadcasting episode 99 on Wednesday, July 6th. And then we will return to our regular schedule for MTR 100, July 14th. We're going to try and plan something really special for the 100th episode. What it is, who the fuck knows. But I'll make sure to keep you guys posted. That's going to wrap it up. Catch you guys. Next week. Peace. Taking us out this week is actually going to be Born of Ashes. That's going to be the in, the music for Kratos by Brian Strader from OC Remix Heroes and Villains official soundtrack. You can get that at ocremix.org. <laughs>